ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 84 of the Whatever Show. We have a great show for you this week. We're going to open up uh, with our normal bout of happiness because nothing, you know, bad or sad happened this week. And I'm not even talking about politics. Um, yeah. We do have a lot of DC stuff to talk about. We got reshoots for the Justice League, rumors and stuff like that. We got Watchmen stuff going on. Uh, Arrow, which surprisingly this season, I think I'm actually enjoying Arrow more than I am The Flash, but we're going to talk about that probably too. Yep. Uh, all caught up on that. I mean, I don't know that I'm enjoying it more than The Flash, but we're caught up and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, big casting news. Uh, Tom Hardy is going to play Venom. We're going to go into that a little bit. Oh, guess what? I saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I am Mary Poppins, y'all. Um, <laughs> uh, so many cryptic texts I've been receiving all week that I just did not get, and I'm just like, well, fuck, man, i got to go see that movie, or I'm like, never going to understand like about my the exceptionally large turds? Yeah. Um, go see Guardians. That makes sense. It's hilarious. Uh, Netflix has uh, got Arrested Development Season 5. We've got Dread to talk about. And, uh, yeah, good show this week, I think. Uh, do we? Do you want to? Do we want to just? You know, let's not let him jump gently. Like, just toss him right in the tear the bandaid off. Yeah, tear the bandaid off. Um, um, there's no way if you're listening to this, you you don't already know this by this point, because especially since this show won't come out for at least another few days. But yeah, so um, let me let me set you up. It's uh, it's approximately six twenty in the morning, um, on Thursday the eighteenth, and uh, I'm sleeping peacefully in bed, and I I hear my phone buzz, and I'm like, well. It's probably just a normal barrage of birthday texts come starting to come in. Yeah. Because uh, that was my birthday. Uh, and instead, it was my wife saying, hey, Chris Cornell's dead. I wanted you to hear it from me and not on Facebook. Dude, I, I know. It, my wife did the same thing. I walked downstairs. Uh, I was much later. I walked downstairs at like 9 o'clock. Um, and uh, first off, I'm already a complete dickhole in the morning. Like, I'm not like a total asshole. Like, I won't tell you to fuck off. But like, I don't talk. I'm just very cranky. I just need I need to go you know walk around for an hour get some coffee whatever and so it's usually a trip to a bottle of ibuprofen somewhere in there i I walked downstairs and the first thing my wife says is did you hear chris cornell died and i was like i was a fucking sleep how was i supposed to hear that and also fuck you for waking me up with that shit (laughs) um when when was i gonna hear yeah yeah um so yeah i was i was like for a second i was like actually kind of mad at her for telling me and then then i was like no that's not really that doesn't make any sense come on brain get with it um so yeah, it was a depressing, depressing thing to wake up to. And then, you know, of course that's all that, that actually surprisingly, this is one of those things that I, has hit me a lot harder than I expected it to. Like, uh, celebrities die all the time and, and some of them you have connections to, but this one, I was like listening all day, uh, to Soundgarden and, and to Audio Slave and Chris Cornell's solo sh- stuff. And I've been doing that basically this whole entire week. So dude, I, um, uh, I mean, we'll get there eventually, but like, I have like, like memories like ingrained in my head uh of you in regards to chris cornell like from the time that we worked together mm-hmm. back in the day and whatnot so well because that's actually like my first my first soundgarden record so uh this is kind of funny my first soundgarden record actually was a sides um which was a best of compilation yeah. uh that i got through columbia's ha- columbia house they're gonna get their money any day now i'm sure i'm, um, I'm positive yeah <clears throat> yeah I mean, because you can totally sell a, a subscription like that to a 16-year-old kid. No big deal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my first Soundgarden record was A-Side. So I, I kind of started off listening to... It, it, subsequently, those are like all my favorite songs. Like I was posting on Twitter the other day. Um, you probably would call me like a, a filthy casual. But um, most of my favorite songs are the ones you all know. Because my first record what, and first exposure to them was really all of... The, it was the, all the, singles. All singles. And then, of course, shortly after that, Audio Slave came out. And pretty much both of those records are all singles. So... Um, there's three of those records. Yeah. 
Oh, that's true. Sorry. <laughs> Three of those records, and they're pretty much all singles. I don't know if um, anybody bought Out of Eden, but... Out of Eden was not the strongest of the, the three, let's yeah. just say. Um, so, yeah, uh, that that's just been how it's been. So, I mean, I, I've, I've, of course, grown up a little bit more since then and listened to a lot more Soundgarden and stuff since then. But, yeah. So, for me, uh, this is weird. And I, for three days, I've been trying to write a blog. And I've probably deleted more lines than I've typed at this point. Because, A, I'm not a writer. Um, and, B, it's like I don't really know how to communicate uh exactly what that music meant to me um especially as a kid because <clears throat> i'm 39 now so uh that was soundgarden was really in my um you know formative years my my coming of age years when it comes to music um and i kind of i got into um like 80s and early 90s like hard rock and metal before I got into the grunge stuff. And so like a lot of what I was listening to was uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, Metallica, and uh, Queensryche. And one of the things that I really liked about Guns N' Roses and Queensryche specifically is like they had singers that could really kind of hit those high notes. And then I, I started listening to the grunge stuff and the music was really, really solid. Um, But as far as vocals, like a lot of those bands like didn't really have the the type of vocals that I was searching for. And Allison Chains was close because it was more of a metal oriented uh, band. Like the music was closer to metal, but Lane Staley didn't have the the metal scream. And then um, a buddy of mine handed me a, a, a tape. Yeah, a tape of uh, Temple of the Dog. Nice. And uh, that's another un- un- unconventional starting place um, with Chris Cornell's catalog. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is I started listening to Temple of the Dog. And like, I think it was like uh, the second track on there, like Reach Down. Um, and it, 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 it kind of played like a, like a more hard rock metal thing. And he, he had that, that range, that like raspy screech that I was kind of looking for and whatnot. Um, and I was like, who the hell is that guy? And they're like, that's, that's the singer from Soundgarden. That's Chris Cornell. And I was like, well, do you have any fucking Soundgarden? Like, <laughs> and <laughs> give from me that, give me more. Yeah. Like, from, from that point on, it was all over. Like, I think, um, we're going to talk about our favorite Chris Cornell songs like later the, on. The, the first time you get jacked into the matrix, you're just like, yeah. Yes, give give it all to, give it give me all of it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I listened to that, and then like obviously, um, as we grow older, our tastes, you know, kind of even out. Uh, they almost cement. Like th- that's the funny thing for me. Um, th- my tastes, I, I think I'm a little bit more eclectic. Well, I'm a lot more eclectic than I was when I was a kid. But they're uh, the the weirder sort of funny thing to me is like my favorite records to listen to to this day are are kind of the grunge stuff. Like I go back to Alice in Chains all the time. I go back to Soundgarden all the time. Um, Pearl Jam's a big one for me. I don't. Pearl Jam's probably my biggest gap in the whole grunge thing. I don't listen to a lot of Pearl uh, Pearl Jam. But oh, and speaking of Eddie Vedder's life insurance, probably just went way the fuck up because uh, you got you got Lane Staley from Allison Chains, who is of course gone. You've got uh, um, Kurt, Kurt, obviously, obviously, and now fucking Chris Cornell, um, like Andy you, Wood from Other Love Bone. Yeah, obviously, he was the first one to go. But I'm just saying, if you're gonna if you're gonna mention grunge, I think the first four bands are gonna come to mind are gonna be uh, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Allison Chains, and uh, Pearl Jam. So. Yeah. Uh, um so man that's, he, he's that's, he's probably just paying through the nose now that's kind of the thing with pearl jam to me though is like they they've been able to kind of evolve and evolve and adapt and stay relevant um whereas like even alice in chains you know they put out a couple new records and stuff but i i feel like they're treated more as a nostalgia act the, yeah and, a little bit like alice in chains uh new stuff is very reminiscent of old alice in chains it's not it, it is it is a little bit evolved but it's not uh 
uh, um, it, it's not a big leap. It's not a big leap from where the, what they were doing, you know, back then. I really dig it. Um, but but I mean, the thing about Soundgarden to me and Chris Cornell in particular, though, is like Soundgarden. They kind of did that. They like um, if you listen to Bad Motor Finger, which I was just telling Eddie before we went live, like I I can still barely like bring myself to do sometimes, you know, because of that record was in such heavy rotation in my uh, Walkman <laughs> that uh, um, it, it's almost painful to listen to still. But I mean, it's it's very very rocky, metally, oh yeah, uh, it you is. know, screamy and stuff. And then like just the leap from that one to the next one, which is super unknown, which had you know um, Black Hole Sun obviously is like the big one. Uh, Fell on Black Days, I think, was on it as well. Uh, Spoon Man, you know, yeah. like yeah. they they kind of adapted with the times but i mean if you think about all of those bands those quote seattle bands the only one that is a really tried and true seattle band is soundgarden because chris cornell is seattle like he was born and raised there oh yeah they're all from the like the, the greater area you know like you had kurt yeah. kurt from aberdeen you yeah. had um pearl jam i don't think pearl was... jam wasn't pearl jam until eddie vetter moved up from san diego right that's that's what what i was reading the other day too and then uh chris cornell being the only one and and that's the other interesting thing about soundgarden's history too is they had a long ramp up before they became soundgarden i mean they they were playing shows and stuff like that but in, in dive bars and shit like that to 10 people they, they for formed years. in 86 yeah for years they were playing before they were ever like a, an act you know some somebody selling out uh, arenas stadiums etc um so it's just it's crazy to me like they're they're just sort of run, and, and you can kind of see that too, because Chris Chris is, um, or was I should say, sadly, uh, you know we we were watching a lot of his acoustic stuff. There's a lot of uh, Chris Cornell acoustic work out there. Um, songbook, you know, the album you were you're just kind of introducing me to a little bit more because I was only very very mildly familiar with that. Um, but there's a lot of acoustic stuff out there, just even on YouTube if you can go find that. Um, and one of the things that strikes me about that is he's so fucking good. Like you can almost see that he came up playing in bars and shit like that because um he is just kind of like a one-man show like he sits mm -hmm. there he plays a guitar he sings you, you, and uh it's surprising to me how much you know that just totally works i don't i don't think he ever stopped creating or reinventing himself the um and songbook by the way is one of the song or one of the albums that's uh, free to stream on spotify even if you're not a paid member too so if, if you're nice. on a budget uh you can still check it out um but uh the first time I ever got clued into the fact that Chris could sing like uh, softer stuff was the um, I don't know if anybody ever saw the movie Singles. It was uh, kind of Cameron Crowe's. Um, was it Cameron Crowe? Singles. Um, yeah, was that Singles? Man, it has one of the best soundtracks of all time, but I've never actually even. I don't seen remember the movie. if it was Cameron Crowe or not, so don't quote me on that. But it was, it was, it was, it was very much an homage to this to the '90s Seattle music scene. Oh, it was. I and, mean, I know the. Here's how you know that that uh, that's true. I know the soundtrack to singles i do not know the movie i've seen the movie at a time <laughs> <laughs> um but uh it uh it had a chris cornell solo track on it called seasons and it it was very soft and melodic and but still was just absolutely fucking amazing to me um and it wasn't long after before i think um he released his first solo effort which is euphoria morning which is also one of my favorite records that uh gets listened to a lot um it kind of came out during a time when I think there was a couple uh, of those bands that had members releasing solo tracks. I remember Jerry Cantrell released Boggy Depot somewhere in that same time period, mm -hmm. um, which is also a good record. But if I'm going to pick one, I'm always going to go with Euphoria Morning because I can sing every track on it. 
<laughs> um, and and then and that's kind of where it it stayed for a while. And then I mentioned um, Eddie and I worked together, uh, you know, for a time. And I remember one day coming to work, and and you walk in and you're like, dude, guess what? And I was like, what's that? And and, and you go, Chris Cornell and like. The remaining members of Rage Against the Machine are going to get together and do a record. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, which is funny because when you first heard this news, I think we were both probably like, what the fuck? Because uh, Rage Against the Machine is obviously a very, very different act from Soundgarden. And I mean, it is amazing how well that turned out. Um, yeah. Funny, I think one of the funny stories I read around that time was... Um, you know, they're used to, uh, the guys from Rage are used to Zach De La Roca's vo- vocals, which are, mm-hmm. you know, rap, and, and you don't really have a lot of melody to worry about and shit like that. And, like, uh, Chris had to really, like, the, the, the difficult part of the songwriting was getting them to play shit that would work with a vocal melody. Um, and, and you know, changing their play style a little bit to work along with a vocal melody. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it worked out. I mean, that's one of the, I think, the best projects, uh, um, to come out of that whole thing so i remember i remember uh chris cornell in an interview one time talking about tom morello and working with tom morello and and you know about his guitar playing and stuff and and you know chris has always been a rhythm guitar player and whatnot yeah um and obviously you're not going to try and take lead over tom morello but like he had to go to him and uh, a few times recording that first record just like maybe we put a bridge here yeah. you know <laughs> and then i can do this and then that'll get us to here you know yeah. so um which, like you were saying, like that wasn't really anything you had to worry about with Rage, because see, and that's what's crazy about that too is like Tom Morello's playstyle is not really complementary to uh, uh, um, Chris Cornell at all. Like if you listen to the the kind of um, how he plays on a Rage album, like it's almost like experimental, like sort of you know, like they used to print on Rage albums. Uh, all of these sounds come from uh, guitar, bass, drums, and vocals, um, because. They were essentially highlighting that Tom Morello is doing all this weird shit on a guitar. Um, and when you listen to that, you know, compared to, you know, the melodic sort of sounds that go along with Chris Cornell's vocals, it's amazing to me how they managed to sort of blend that together and, and really kind of, uh, morph, uh, Morello in a way, his, his play style in a way that's still entirely fundamentally Tom Morello, um, but also fits along with, uh, what they did with Audio Slaves. So, yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's, 100% it's, Tom Morello, but also like 100% not Rage Against the Machine. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah. I can't can't believe I mean it really kind of a testament to all of those guys as performers that that they you know not only made that work but it turned out to be really fucking good so um, yeah this is this is this is weird um I and and kind of sad actually at the same time I mean it's sad that 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 uh uh Chris is dead too but it's also sad that Eddie and I used to waste hours of our time at work <laughs> just doing nothing about but yeah. bullshitting about music and whatnot and we have a podcast where we literally could do this every week and like we we don't talk much about music anymore we've done it a couple times on the show but really it's just, and and i think part of it's because we're older and like we've already talked about the music yeah <laughs> that we you know i don't think either of our tastes are expanding fast enough that we could be like like every other week could just be like hey Alice in chains yeah yep yeah you're, yep. you're probably never gonna hear us be like hey man you uh check out the new lumineers album uh no yeah really <laughs> yeah know? I probably actually am going to check it out because I have to go see them in concert in August because they're opening for Tom Petty. But you know, 
Um, and then the, you know, like the, when I do branch out, like lately I've gone off the beaten path pretty fucking far. Like, uh, the, the last couple of like new artists that I've been checking out, not new. And, and there's a bunch of people who are going to entirely cringe when I, I say, oh, look, you know, this new band, uh, no, uh, Kendrick, I've been listening to a lot of Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar, Lamar and, and, uh, Anderson Pack. Um, I hope that's at Pack, not Pock, P-A-A-K, Anderson Pack. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of that too. So, um, both great records, but definitely not usually the, the type of fodder we listen to on the show. Yeah. Uh, and then Spotify, Spotify's playlist things are, you know, functionally awesome. Like I just hit the alternative list and go down that. And so every now and then I'll bookmark something and come back to it. But right now my bookmark list is a lot longer than like what I've actually come back to. So, yeah, I think that that's kind of the, the nature of the beast, but yeah. Um, so we're not, we're also not going to talk about, um, how he died. Um, the circumstances surrounding it or anything like that. Cause I don't really think that's important. I think what's more important is that, um, you know, I, I, I will, I do want to talk about that very briefly. Um, that's one of the things that's kind of been going through my head. Um, the, the, it was a suicide. Uh, I won't go into the details of that, but it, it is very likely that it was a suicide. Uh, no, it, it is confirmed a suicide at this point. So, um, I don't want to go into the details, uh, but I do want to say how insane that is. Like you look at this guy who's just full of talent. Money's not really an issue anymore. You know, like, and I, the thing that I keep coming back to is like, depression's really fucked up, man. Like, uh, if, if you struggle with depression, if you, you know, are dealing with stuff like this, you know, get help. Uh, there's, there's lots of ways to go about that, but you know, talk to somebody about it. Uh, um, whether it's a friend, uh, you know, somebody you could pay to do it, whatever, but you know, get some help because it's, it's insane to me that, that we lost such an, such an amazing talent, such a, you know, like one of the things that's been surprising to me too, is see all of the people. Cause I, like I watch, I, I read a lot of shit online and I follow a lot of different people and, and personalities and, sh- and stuff like that. And so when I see, like, I see, I keep seeing Chris Cornell pop up in, in circles that I would never expect him to. Uh, and so I, I, I mean, it's, he's just such an influential guy in that regard. And it's, uh, so, you know, it, it is nothing short of tragedy, uh, that, that we lost him like this. It, so. It's weird when I see Chris Cornell stuff pop up in your brother-in-law's feed. Cause like, he kind of put the thug in Bone Thugs in Harmony. You know what I mean? And- <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, that again, like like I'm saying, like the circles that the, that uh, Chris Cornell comes up in are just really crazy. Uh, and there's a lot of things like that. Like I've been reading a lot of the same kind of things uh, along those lines. Because uh, number one, from most accounts, Chris Cornell's a great guy. Um, number two, he's hugely fucking talented. Um, so talented. So incredible. I'm like, uh, like I'll I'll. Just just one of the things we put in the show notes tonight is a link um, that shows him playing um, the music of one by U2, but singing the lyrics of one by Metallica. Yeah. And when I saw that link in the show notes, I was like, what the fuck is this going to be? And it's so good. And it's yeah. just another highlight of uh, what Chris Cornell can do, because he manages to take both of these things and sort of adapt them in a way that's entirely original and uh, really works well for both pr- uh, um, both pieces. So, yeah, no, um, it, in in. I'm not kidding anybody when I say that the range of of things that he did um is absolutely unheard of like when it comes to an artist like he did his solo stuff his second solo record was a little weird for me like it wasn't really much like there was a couple really good cuts on it um but there's some some other things where he kind of was doing some experimental stuff and it wasn't really my cup of tea but um nothing really bad about it and then um I think following that he did um was it you know my name the song that he did for the uh 
dude casino that, royale i've been get i've soundtrack. seen that posted all over the places that it's that is uh yeah. probably the best or one of the best like top three or four uh um bond songs that, that have ever been produced over you know 30 movies or whatever yeah no it's ridiculous and it was at that point where like people were just like like it the, the like the buzz in the music industry was like Chris Cornell could be the next Justin Timberlake, and I'm like, well that's weird because he's kind of been playing music since like the 80s and whatnot. <laughs> but um, and then in 2009 he came out with the Scream record and it was produced by Timberland and like I guess their whole goal was to do like this record that like never ended like one song flowed into the next without any kind of breaks between tracks and whatnot and they accomplished that. It definitely isn't what I'm looking for when I go to buy a Chris Cornell record. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, if that's the kind of music that you're into, it's probably going to be some of the best of that kind of music that you're going to find. I, I, I got to appreciate like the massive balls on the guy too, because you you know he he's not he's not an idiot. He's not walking into the studio being like, you know what everybody wants out of Chris Cornell, rap. Or, you know, like hip hop style, you know, poppy kind of music. You know, like nobody's everybody is it, it, he knows you know going to that that that's going to be a weird thing so like funny, i appreciate the fact that he'll even go through and funny do that. side note justin timberlake actually co-wrote some of those songs with <laughs> but uh no it's and that's even that record like i listened to i listened to it in its entirety yesterday just because of the fact that i was like well if i'm going to talk about this um i'm going to listen to this and be fresh on it so i can actually like talk about it yeah and uh you know like i said it's still not my cup of tea um i i don't I don't know that I'll probably listen to it maybe ever again, you know, it's fine. I mean, but he's got such a, there is a breadth of work that you can go back to and listen yeah. to that, you know, I will just straight up love. Like I just straight up love a lot of the work that he's produced. So if not, everyone was a hit, like he's still got a winning record. So yeah, precisely. And then I actually started <laughs> listening to his most recent uh, solo record yesterday i haven't actually finished it dude I, I did listen to that one it is fucking good it so far like and one of the things i love about it is how overly simplistic it is like it it doesn't try and try and do too much as they say in the business like mm-hmm. it just he just goes out there and does his thing um and it sounds really fucking great yeah so. like I, I, like we were talking about song songbook i think is a perfect example of that and just going back to how um it is amazing what w- one guy in a guitar can do uh when that guy is chris cornell yeah, yeah, I agree. So I actually did something that I've not done uh, before when somebody's died, but um, I pulled every whatever contributor um, and and asked them, you know, what is your favorite Chris Cornell song? I I will give you. Um, I didn't I didn't put a lot of thought into this, and it's not, my answers aren't going to surprise you. We were kind of talking about this before. My first record from Soundgarden was their A sides, so a lot of my stuff is really not going to be a revelation i think for, for many people so i guess you can get me out of the way first um okay go yeah so i said uh say hello to heaven that's probably one of my top favorite songs um the other one that uh has been going through my head like when i when i just think about what's been going through my head as i'm thinking about those um fell on black days obviously just because this is depressing um uh um burden in my hand is another great one and of course of course black hole sun like uh there's nobody anywhere i think that hasn't heard black hole sun and probably not many of them that don't like it uh it is it is iconic for lots and lots of reasons and people that don't know the name Soundgarden, no once you tell them like they did this they're like oh okay 
Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, it's got probably not that there's not a, a million different tragic lines that can go with this, but the one that the, the thing that keeps running through my head, like on repeat over and over again is uh, no one sings like you anymore, which is, of course, a line from Black Hole Sun. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Sam, Sam absolutely refused to name just one. That's fair. Go figure, right? I, I there's one on my list right here, and I just went through five. So yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. So uh, Sam also said, "Say say hello to heaven from Temple of the Dog." Um, Blow up the outside world is his favorite Soundgarden song. Good choice. Um, I am the shit out of that one too. I am the highway uh, by Audio Slave, and then um, under solo stuff, he actually does like uh, some of the stuff from Scream, um, most specifically the title track from that record. Um, but then Casino Royale, you know my name was his his top pick for the solo stuff. You know my name is a phenomenal pick. Audio Slave, I will disagree slightly. Uh, if I had to pick an Audio Slave song, it's it's Like a Stone, which leads us to Bryce. Yeah, because um, he actually. Oh shit! I spoiled this. Sorry, Bryce. No, that's fine. He he wouldn't he wouldn't answer me the first day because he was like, I'm gonna have to think about that. And yeah. Then see, I should have waited because he I, was down. He came down Thursday, was here party yesterday, and still didn't answer me. And so finally today, I was like, We're recording tonight. You have to tell me. <laughs> and so he he chose like a stone um ryan bailey our good friend ryan bailey um chose pretty noose i'm not sure if he was being tongue-in-cheek what a dick. you know but uh <laughs> it's just i'm just kidding it that is another phenomenal is song. song there's is there's no wrong choice here um all right so i guess it's me huh yeah so these are the four that i picked and these are the four that like if you put a gun to my head these are what i would pick but obviously i like a whole lot more than that yeah um as hope and promise fade um also known as two drink minimum um i played that song for eddie actually when we before we sat down it's really good yeah you 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 know there's a lot of people who are probably going to fit in the category of like you haven't heard some of the 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 i won't call them b-sides but you haven't heard some of the stuff outside of like the main soundgarden tracks and and audio slave singles and stuff like that you can really go down a rabbit hole here and i strongly encourage you to because there's lots of good stuff in there absolutely um jesus christ pose was my uh pose is my favorite uh soundgarden song and that's just goes back to my bad metal roots yeah yeah um cochise is actually the track that i picked for audio slave and i knew that was going to be a little bit controversial but the reason why is because um it's how the first audio slave record opens and it's, uh my follow-up it would, it would have been my second choice you you hear the morello guitars you know and then all of a sudden you hear chris start singing and it's just Man, why? Yeah, yeah it's it's <laughs> balls to the wall right off the bat yep. it's a it's a it's probably one of my favorite opening tracks of all time because that really set the tone for what they were going to be. It, it, yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and then, um, my, my, I also picked a second audio slave song just because, um, this song is actually, it's your list. You can pick whatever you want. Yeah, I know yeah. It, it's kind of, I, I, the version of the song that I like the best is the one that's on the songbook, um, acoustic record. And it's doesn't remind me, um, which is on the Exile record uh, by Audio Slave. Yeah, uh, and it's it's just a super good song. It's got a really good hook to it, and I can't not listen to it when it comes on. It does. That's another one of those songs that kind of uh, it's a little different, uh, and, and I I like that about it. Like it doesn't necessarily you you don't really see it coming, but it's such a good track. Right. Um. It's the Cochise thing. Really, it. I have I have um. There's a few songs like that that I that I really like that are uh, 
oh man specifically because of of like the way that the record hits um and i'm trying to think i'll uh i'll get to it here real quick yeah coaches the the you know we kind of talked about this already but the biggest thing i think for from that album or about that song is just the way that it opens that album. Like you didn't know what you were going to get out of this. Um, maybe you'd heard a single. Uh, I think I remember seeing Cochise before, uh, like as a, uh, probably a video. I think I saw a music video for Cochise before I saw anything else. And it's just such a phenomenal way to introduce you to what audio slave is going to be. Yeah. Um, the, the other, one of the other songs that, that stands out to me in that vein is uh, miracle man from Ozzy Osbourne's No Rest for the Wicked record because it was the first time that you heard Zach Wilde ah. uh, play for Ozzy. So for a lot of us, it was the first time we'd ever heard Zach Wilde, period, you know? Yeah. But it's just that... Yeah. You know? And then... <laughs> so um, that's probably always going to be one of my favorite Ozzy tracks for that same reason. So, like, that's that's why I picked Cochise specifically was just because it was just that, that Morello you know the 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 crazy you know chorusy y sounding guitar he's got a um got i don't know what the best way to describe it is but he's i like like a lot more riff driven yeah like uh especially at the time that he is getting big a lot of the acts are moving more towards you know just really strumming at those power chords and and don't get me wrong morello likes power chords but he doesn't do it in the way that um like it's a lot more like a riff it, it is just you know really he's kind of like a lead player all the time even when he's playing a rhythm stuff he's he's playing a lot more riff driven stuff it sounds to me or it reminds me a little bit of the way that like jimmy page uh, um you know all of those one of the reasons we know led zeppelin so well is because all of those guitar tracks are just like you, you hear them and you can immediately picture the, the they thing stand out and the it, the same is i think true for morello a, a lot of the time so yeah like yeah. i mean you can almost not even have heard Bulls on Parade. And then when you hear that wah. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, just get it. Th- that's that, I guess, is the other thing. He, he's got such a signature tone. Like, yeah. the tone of his guitars. Um, well, and that particular guitar, I think, was broken it, in it conjunction is, with is. the wah. So. Yeah. <laughs> it is a specially broken guitar that he's hang, hung on to for a long, long time because he just likes the, the way it sounds. So. Yeah. Well, I, uh, and I think we not, do, too. He's not wrong. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so we we did put the video of of him playing one and singing a different one song to go with it. Um, I also put a video in here too of Chris Jericho uh, talking about the passing of Chris Cornell that was recorded actually the day of um, us yeah. finding out. So um, we talk wrestling a lot. We've talked about Chris Jericho specifically quite a bit, and he's also the lead singer of a band um, in addition to being a wrestler. So I thought that was kind of um, apropos, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right, um, that's a good place for us to go grab another beer. I try, we try to keep take it easy before, you know, otherwise you just end up dr- crying into our beers this whole time. So uh, we're going to go grab I'm another never beer. never more than two drinks away yeah. <laughs> from crying. Yeah, we're going to go grab another beer, and we'll be back with some less depressing news. So let's open it up with some DC stuff. We got some DC news this week. Yeah, so earlier in the week, um, in fact, this I, I changed this. This was actually at one point said that they were reshooting again. Um and then and those and then, DC rumors go one way and then the other every week. I know, I know it. Um, so they're apparently not reshooting um, the Justice League again, or doing reshoots for the Justice League. They're doing upfronts for it, which that's fine because that's 
they do that. They'll film the, the movie and then they'll do up fronts before they start heavy marketing. Um, and apparently that's what caused the rumors that they were reshooting. Yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, every time you hear about reshoots, um, they are sometimes rightly, uh, often wrongly attributed to like, this is a sign the movie's failing and they got to redo the whole thing. And uh, we've talked about this before on the show. Reshoots are a fairly normal pr- pr- uh, part of the movie making process. Rogue One, you know, I think is where we most prominently talked about it. Rogue One had a lot of reshooting done. And uh, if anything, you should be happy when they're reshooting the movie because it means that they realize that something wasn't working as well as it could have. And then they're trying to make it 100% correctly. Yeah. On the flip side of that coin, though, there is occasions where it's a move of desperation and it and it doesn't pay off but yeah at some point they go you know i don't think we have a plot here (laughs) yeah justice league actually has been um reshot enough times that they they filmed the movie twice essentially already yeah it wouldn't surprise me they they, this is another one where i think they've got a lot writing on this movie um they really don't want this to fuck up uh because they're they're looking at marvel um man fuck we're gonna come back to this when we talk about guardians but we're getting some deep fucking pulls from Marvel because all their A-listers are already up and they're on their second, you know, run or third run of movies now, uh, for the most part. And, uh, meanwhile, over at DC, they're trying to get their biggest A-listers off the ground. Uh, and so they're doing this in a rather rushed, haphazard manner. And they really, I think, see Justice League being the, um, you know, portal to actually making this whole movie franchise thing work. So, uh, yeah, Justice League, I think, was their end game to begin with. Uh, and then they just kind of went about it in a really weird way. Like, I think it was almost like a, a concerted effort not to try and do things the Marvel way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I get in trouble a lot because I, I end up saying offhanded snide remarks about Batman versus Superman. And then my wife will elbow me like, you know what, fucker, you liked that movie when you saw it in the theater. And I was like, well, I did. Um, but there was some there was some issues with it and then the director's cut came out and it was it was better but there's i mean there there still is some overall underlying things that See, i don't like about it that's a little bit of the problem too though is like when we're watching the movie i i enjoyed watching the movie but it, i didn't walk out of the theater like oh my god that's the best thing i've ever seen no. um it, which i really should like you if you're you're playing that type of movie to me i'm a very very easy audience like uh one of the we're going to talk about this again when we talk to talk about guardians but yeah. this movie was critically not super well received it, it was reasonably well received don't get me wrong um but i came out of that movie thinking holy shit that was such a good movie um and so i should have felt like that with uh, batman versus superman and i didn't and now here's the really tragic part of that is that on every rewatch that movie gets worse I try and keep it to a minimum. I mean, I've only rewatched it twice, but every every single time yeah. I've been like, man, it man. really to me Eisenberg just throws me off on the whole thing. I'm just like, why why is the guy who made Facebook so mad he's, at fucking Superman? Yeah, he's the like, the one glaringly <laughs> obviously wrong casting choice in that movie. Um but there's a lot of other I mean, the biggest issue is that they don't really know what to do with the plot. Um yeah. and they're just like, well, we gotta get Superman and Batman to fight somehow, so fuck it, we're gonna you know and they just kinda throw that shit together and it just it does not work out very well. Yeah. Thanks, Zack Snyder. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Um so yeah, and you know, I I did come out of the movie saying I enjoyed it and I thought, you know, and I think we when we talked about it on the thing, we could probably go back and cut an audio of us saying like, man, the critics are getting this one wrong. Uh but no, just on rewatch it's it's just not 
it, it doesn't hold up. Yeah, we there's there's some issues there, but um, yeah. So when it comes to Justice League, or you know, tying this back into Justice League, they've now got an even bigger uh, um, dance card to fill, essentially, in that now they are launching new characters in the Justice League movie because they did not ramp up the way that Marvel did, uh, and they've got to recover from the stumbling block that was Batman versus Superman. And I gotta say, if Wonder Woman doesn't go over very well this next month here, um, it's gonna be almost fucking impossible to get this franchise off the ground. I, I got high hopes for Wonder Woman still. I'm I do. I'm really, do. really and, and I'm 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 anxious to go see it and I'm mad because I'm not gonna go see it opening week because I I'm 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 waiting specifically to take all of my daughters to go see it at one time and Yeah. Um Which is a good dad thing to do. Uh and uh I'm gonna try at least to take my kids to this one. I don't know if I will though because uh, they don't care about these movies nearly as much as I do, which is kind of funny. Like the superhero movies, my son, my, my six year old son's way less interested than, than I am in them. Um, but I, I do kind of want to take my daughter to see this, if nothing else, because there haven't been a whole big dearth of movies that I could take with a Dude, female protagonist. We'll just take them all together. Yeah. Cause Ellie and Jada will at least, if they don't like the movie, they'll, they'll at least sit Harry next to each other and out be, for the next, yeah. you know, hour and a half or whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, there, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on DC right now, um, because Batman versus Superman was already a rush project. That wasn't going to be what the Man of Steel sequel was going to be. But since Man of Steel wasn't necessarily a, a ballpark, you know, out of the ballpark hit, um, which again is another thing, you, you gotta do those big movies right, guys. Uh, that's not the place where you need to go crazy. And, and if anything, this is my criticism for them, is that, um, as much as I like experimental shit in my movies, if you look at what Marvel's doing, um, it's really safe bets. Like they're they're taking characters that aren't really necessarily safe bets, but they're making safe movies out of them. Um, they're they're uh, I, I wouldn't quite go so far as to say there's a Marvel formula, but there kind of is a little bit of a Marvel formula to the movies. And really, it's not any different from any other you know sort of major blockbuster film. Um, relatively simple plots they don't go too crazy with uh different you know screen effects shooting you know that kind of thing um they don't take the characters off of uh too beaten a path they, they take the characters pretty much the exact way the comics go most of the time with you know some adaptations for screen um but really they're they're kind of safer things whereas when you look at you know like man of steel they're like oh man we gotta make uh superman you know dark and gritty and more realistic and it's like who wants to see that no, I want to go see Superman be fucking super. Uh, and then, um, you know, they've got Batman versus Superman. And then they go, I don't want to quite say full retired, but they did definitely move into the autistic spectrum, I think. This is probably really insulting. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> For those of you on the autism spectrum that might be listening to our show, we, we don't mean any harm. We promise. Yeah. Um, I'm just not smart uh so the um they, they, they do you know move into this this sort of realm with batman versus superman which is also a very different way to go and a lot of us were looking at man of steel and saying okay that's fine it's his first outing and we're gonna move into the superman that we're no, but they make him even angstier and broodier and it's like th th that's bruce's line guys bruce gets to be the ang ang angsty broody one not superman I, I i think it played okay in man of steel because there was no Bruce Wayne, like, counterpart to Clark Kent's, like, overwhelmingly positive outlook on things. You know what I mean? So I think you could get away with it in Man of Steel. But then when you put him next to Batman, like, and then he's all, like, whiny and Batman's like, yeah, could you dude, stop what's, what's wrong with you, dude? Him. Like, I mean, my parents were shot in front of me, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and you know see that's another thing that just sort of is not fundamentally what superman is and so they 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 decided to go a different direction with the character a little off the beaten path from what we know and love about superman if you look at every other successful adaptation of superman it is not that uh and they've decided to go against that and then they did some interesting things with how they've shot the movie and color saturation and stuff which we talked ad nauseum about and color palette in general (laughs) um and, and you know they amped that up even a little bit in um uh batman versus superman which should have been really if anything i think what they one of the big marks they missed is that that movie is too dark which with batman and superman that should be a very nice counterbalance and they should have used those shots a lot more to highlight that they should have had brighter more colorful scenes with uh clark and they should have had darker more brutish scenes with uh bats and when it comes down to it the, the movie's just too dark in general and they sort of lost that opportunity in, in, in making the movie. Um, and they, you know, did go some cool ways there. I mean, I will give Zack Snyder this. He can shoot action. Like he does know how to make a good action flick. Um, Watchmen. He did a great job with Watchmen. Yeah. No. And, and it's never like the action Watchmen's is never not really like an action problem. movie, but like. When, when you I talk feel like about he understood the product a lot more when you talk about well that the thing about Watchmen is um, I don't even necessarily think that as he understood the product it's that he took the comic book as a storyboard and so that comic book I think is about as well translated as you're going to get a Watchmen adaptation to be minus the pussy monster yeah uh, they, they did go a slightly different direction for that because well I, I mean if you haven't read the book and you're like pussy monster uh, that seems weird you're right it is it was weird in comic too a little bit um so I don't mind the change in the, the ending or whatever. Um, but then, you know, when you follow that up with uh, Man of Steel, uh, Batman versus Superman, it seems a little bit like they let Zack, Zack Snyder try to be a little Zack Snyder too much. And that's not what you want in these films. You don't need a director to really put his stamp, his signature on, on a movie like that. You what, need what, like yeah, name, what you want. A, what you want is the director of Watchmen, not the director of Sucker Punch. Yeah. Name a name a director from the Marvel uh, movies so far. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, James Gunn. James Gunn the, James is the Gunn, only yeah, one I, I know, can... and the only reason I know that is because Guardians is really not Guardians without James Gunn. No, and I yeah, that's he's the one director that I know specifically from those movies. Um, and even then, and it still feels very much like a Marvel movie. And but but still, those two movies, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Those two movies definitely stand out, though. Like there's something else. They do a little bit, and I'll I'll come back to that um, because I, I have some theories as to why that is. Um, but anyway, when you're talking about doing these big superhero projects, doing these big movies, I don't think you should be able to necessarily tell who the director is as much as you, you do with uh, uh, especially what we've seen so far. And that's one of the things that's got me a little bit excited about Wonder Woman is the, that feels like a much more uh, um, Wonder Woman take on Wonder Woman, surprisingly. So um, I'm, I'm still pretty excited for that. So, yeah, me anyway. too. You want to talk some Watchmen? Yeah, it sucks and watch me. I did try and segue into that a couple times. I, I totally I picked you up. Were yeah, no. You were ranting. You were ranting. You can't just stop. You can't get a guy off mid-rant. It's hard. It's <laughs> no. hard. You get a pinch. It hurts a little. So the Flash 22 was out this week, finishing the, the button storyline. I story did line. not read that, so don't spoil it. I'm going to show you one thing. Oh, wow. That's all I'm going to show you. That is a big one panel to see. <laughs> not even a panel. Yeah. But anyway, um, I'm not going to spoil too much about it. I will tell you, um, there is not a definitive conclusion to this story. Oh, there can't be. I, I didn't expect done. a conclusion. I just expected some sort of like a, a buttoning up, if you will. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wait until November. And it's going to be a Mother Superman storyline called a Doomsday Clock. 
Um, is this like their five? This has got to be like their five year plan. Like rebirth is five years. Dooms, probably doomsday. Doomsday clock is is actually uh, being written by Jeff Johns among others. So we we get some Jeff Johns action back in the pages of comic books rather than um, you know behind a desk at the studio. Cool. So pretty excited about that. Um, can't talk too much about it now because we really don't know much about it at this point other than um if you didn't read the four issue story arc that was the flash and batman issues 21 and 22 respectively you need to um yeah for both actually i'm not i shouldn't say respectively because it was 21 and 22 of each comic um but definitely do it um i uh i I'm, i'm finished with it i'm pretty happy with how it actually all went so which is high praise without spoiling anything. So thanks for that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I will say like, I'm excited for this. Like I, I've really enjoyed, uh, this story so far, like this, this little, uh, um, you know, one, not one shot, but this, this little mini arc that they've got going between Batman and the flash has been a really good arc. Uh, so I'm really excited to see where they can go with this, especially because I think th- that, uh, um, I cannot believe how hooked in I was just from rebirth number one, like the, the rebirth setup, yeah. how hooked in I was, like how much I want to keep that story going. Um, so I, I cannot wait to see what they do with this um, because if it's anything as good as what they've set up so far, it's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. It's crazy. Rebirth number one was one of those things that like, um, I, I, I get a little misty and like, I get the chills of my spine when I read it. Um, similar to like the same thing. Like anytime I watch like the, the last Harry Potter movie with Snape's, yeah final scenes and stuff like that and i'm like it's hard not to yeah Yeah. um so it's kind of like that but i i'm really excited jeff johns is a comic book fan before he was a comic book writer and so i he he knows the product so well at this point and i really think that if anybody's going to kind of be at the helm of the whole watchman being joined in with the regular dc universe thing it should be him yeah, Jones so. has got a good a good adaptation or a good method for you know bringing characters into the fold the way that he has to. Yeah, um, notably with the Flash Rebirth, Green Lantern Rebirth, you know, Flash Rebirth, especially like Marv Wolfman, like back in the day when he when he killed the Flash, he wrote a loophole in uh, to Crisis to bring the Flash back. Yeah, Johns did it without using that loophole, and he still did it in a way that was believable. Yeah, you know what I mean. So. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really excited for uh, his work coming up. So last part of the DC news this week is a tweet. Um, we posted actually a heroic, heroic Hollywood link, uh, but it is essentially a tweet. Um, yeah. And that tweet is Stephen Amell saying his favorite cameo uh, coming up for the season uh, season finale has not been uh, um, shown or leaked yet. Nope, not been shown in previews, not been leaked or anything like that. Speculation has run amok. Um, I'm kind of leaning toy toward Roy Harper. See, so what I, I was kind of thinking Roy too, because w- if you said, who do you want to see back on arrow the most? My, my uh, immediate thought was, uh, well, fucking Arsenal. Slade. Yeah. Arsenal for me. That's it was Arsenal. I yeah. yeah. I, I said Slade. I want to see Slade back. Slade's such a good villain. Uh, and it really did such a good job in the show. So, um, you haven't watched the last episode then, have you? I did. I just okay. finished, I finished, finished the last it. episode earlier today. So, and, uh, so you know it's yeah. not that then. It's, so I know it's not that. So now I'm all kind of giddy with excitement because like his favorite cameo, what could that be? And, and like Amel's no dumb, dumbass. Like he knows, he knows people want to see Slade. He knows, you know, which characters are really beloved by the fans and so on and so forth. Unless, you know, like, uh, he just really wants to hang out with Cody Rhodes again or something like that. So. Well, he was in the episode before last. Yeah, that's true. So, too. uh, so, um, <laughs> 
I don't know, whatever it was, unless it's just like some fan crush he has on somebody who, that, that they got to do a five second cameo on the show. Uh, I think Arsenal's probably a good bet on, on uh, who that could be. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities, though. I mean, you could, you know, conceivably bring back Moira. She hasn't been on the show, I think, since her death. Um, maybe Tommy. Actually, I think cameo capacity on the hundredth. I think she did come back. Yes. For the hundred. Yeah, she was there. Tommy, though, has not. Tommy's been gone since season one, and I'm not sure he's... No, he's shown up in cameos, too. I think he showed, showed up in a cameo in, in uh, season two somewhere. But not not in a while. No, not not, not in a long time. Um, that was... Uh, he showed up in a cameo for season two. I think that was when uh, Oliver had a flashback and actually killed Thea's dealer. Yeah, probably. I think that was then. My, yeah. For my money, though, it's, it's probably Colton Haynes as Roy Harper slash Arsenal. Yeah, that would be that'd be a, that'd be a solid way to go with that. The the other thing too is I already knew Slade was coming back because he tweeted that out too a few weeks back, and yeah, like specifically. Yeah, that's been spoiled for a while. Said that you know welcome welcome back to the fold, Manu Bennett or something like that, and and was the nature of his tweet. And I was like, oh cool, we're getting some Slade Wilson. Yeah, I never know because they've been sort of uh, uh, blue balling us for a while on that one. Well, he's also been busy, man. He's been doing some other stuff, and yeah. so like it wasn't really. Um, See, shit like that kind of bugs me, because I just found out recently, too, that Sabretooth was actually originally written into Logan, and it was specifically written for, um, uh, fucking, uh... Oh, I can picture his name. Ray Sam, Donovan, he, uh... Sam, Sam? Is it no, Sam something? No. I think so. Um, the guy from x-men origins wolverine which i hated that oh, movie but God. i thought he was great it's as uh yeah cotton who, weary from scream uh yeah i know who you're talking about fuck man i can't figure i can't think of the all name. imdb it yeah okay so um I, I don't know who else could we get that would be that exciting um they, they, you know there's been a litany of deaths uh shadow has shadow been back in a while no shadow's not been back in a while so there's a possibility shadow could be Leif back Schreiber. Leif Schreiber. there you God go it. uh yeah, yeah he was, was originally supposed Sam. to be Oh, because I, I always confuse him with the guy from fucking Avatar. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Sam Worthington. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Leaf Schreiber was, was going to be in Logan, but they, they couldn't make the scheduling work because of his work on, on Ray Donovan. So Somebody missed an opportunity there. You know, he was really gracious about it, though, and was talking about how he was he was happy to have been able to to play a part in the franchise and that he yeah. hoped the, that the movie did really well and, and all that kind of stuff. So. Well, it's just even more sad now because we've got this arc in uh, Weapon X with... Uh, uh, Logan and, yeah, and uh, yeah. Sabretooth and it it would fit so well in that movie. There's there's a um there's a deleted scene from Logan with the little um little chubby kid, you know, mm-hmm. the one that has the Wolverine doll in the in in Logan, <laughs> where he's actually asking him if Sabretooth is real and stuff like that, and he he tells him that he was real and all that good stuff. So that's cool. Um, I watched that movie again this last week, so it's I need to. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, about Arrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah because we could talk about logan for probably another hour but that's probably pretty likely yeah um no i'm i'm super excited like you had mentioned earlier that you might even like it better than the flash i don't know if i'm willing to go that far just because i've been hurt in the past but you know i don't know <laughs> we are getting back into the like illicity sort of bullshit that i'm not sure I, i'm not really on board with you know like every time that they even go that direction i'm just like oh my guys you don't need to do this like the show the show's been its best uh, in it in several seasons when you just kind of let that die off for a little bit i don't even care if they're together they just can't make her like the central focus of the overall story arc because it it doesn't work they can't do the the, like bullshit cw plot lines where you know like we we 
Eddie and I were texting the other night, and as because I was getting caught up, I was a few episodes behind, and I watched the episode where um, they were trapped in the bunker after the EMP. And she's like, "And I can't feel my legs." And I'm like, "Oh, great, the return of Cripplicity." Yeah, sorry if you're disabled, but <laughs> did, did you did you catch my favorite part of the episode or the part where I was uh, most disappointed in that episode? Which one? It was when she was gonna die, and they had to pull her back up. Oh, I was like. Yeah. Just, that is a like let it go like i finally thought they were gonna let that go and then now they're like i oh, know i'm not that's my favorite that's your favorite part about me is when i don't listen to you and i one hand uh curl you up up the thing so i'm gonna take us back to chris cornell just real briefly this is this is a little bit ironic like my, my buddy my buddy's watching a rerun of saturday night live from may 18th of 1996 Saturday Night Live. Jim Carrey was the host. Soundgarden, the musical guest. Dude. Right? That is about as 96 as you can get, and that would have been an amazing show, I imagine. But, like, it's it's the same date that we heard that he died in 1996, you know? Yeah. So. Wow, crazy. Anyway, yeah, that's nutty. <laughs> yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, he, he could have let her die. I mean. And she wanted him to. She was like. It's I, I okay, get that Oliver. they got to give her a more meaningful death than that, but um, no, they don't. Th- that episode was <laughs> very irritating. You know, the meaningful death they could have given her is when she got shot in the limo. Yeah, that that would have been the time where they should have let that go. I I feel bad though because it really Emily Butt Records like she's she's super she's super hot and like <laughs> I like the Felicity character before they really got really crazy with the all the city stuff and then every episode suddenly revolved around her so i didn't even hate the episodes where she was working with the hacker group whose name i escapes me right now but well i mean i think the thing is is that they let her character get too big like her character it, it didn't make sense that they made her character as big a deal in the show as they did and she works better as a support character yeah. like the you know like even like they've been using her as in season five so what i don't like about it is if they're going to make oliver all about felicity again um that just drives me nuts like that that cannot be like in a superhero show that cannot be your driving force is um, this this relationship that doesn't really matter from somebody who follows willa holland on instagram less felicity more thea yeah i don't know that, that that that's that would have to get pretty creepy to go the direction i think you're no thinking about. no 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 no. i'm not talking about that <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't i'm yeah no no brother sister stuff no but uh thea actually makes more sense like i don't know why um i'm assuming there's some behind the scenes reason because thea i thought had a really good arc through this whole pro like hers is one of the only arcs that wasn't totally ridiculous uh um and i really enjoyed her arc and i i miss having uh speedy you know be part of the the, the team I'm, I'm hoping we're getting back there yeah it really nice. seemed it kind of seemed like it when she was watching that video from her dad yeah so. I, would, I would like to see something come of that because right now uh, she's very part-time on the show and it shows yeah so uh figure it out guys all right let's talk marvel we got yes. we got some we got some big meat here in this uh this this uh entree of a dinner you know some exceptionally large turds that, that was a weird way to go okay yeah. well, we'll 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 do this quick one first because i don't have a whole lot to say on this other than that it's super interesting so venom standalone movie we talked about that before on the show that's the thing that was mm-hmm. going to happen they have apparently cast uh uh tom hardy um so here's my thing about this uh my buddy actually put this on my wall the other day and asked me what i thought about it and i'm like you know here's the deal i think tom hardy's gonna do terrific but is he really the only actor out there i know because because he's mad max already he's bane 
and and now he's going to be Venom. Like, how many different franchises is he's gonna is he going to be the big bad for? He is also in Star Trek Insurrection, so. Well, yeah, but I mean that doesn't really count. I, I mean, but he I mean, half of Tom Hardy is in Star Trek Insurrection. If we're, just, if we're just talking about moving through, franchises. and that's Nemesis, not Insurrection. Oh, you're right. Sorry, it is Nemesis. Yes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just I I hope that he does the Bane voice the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> Now you see, Batman, Gotham is theirs. Uh, except for replace that with New York City. Or, yeah, and Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Yeah. You rejected me, Peter Parker. Now New York City rejects you. <laughs> you were born in the darkness. Uh, no, you, you, you adapted the... Was you, it? You, you adapted the, you adopted you, the you, darkness. You adopted the darkness. I was born into it. Yeah. Yes. Oh, they could do a symbiote. We should have gone the symbiote there. Yeah. You you merely wore the symbiote. I am the symbiote. Uh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, I think if, at some point, like, like my Bane, Bane voice morphs into like uh, uh, Ebene- Ebenezer man. Scrooge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I could, I think we could move from. Uh, now you see, Gotham is yours, and you will be visited by three ghosts. <laughs> you want me to pay you for Christmas? <laughs> Oh, good times, good times. Um, man, uh, that's all staying in. Sorry, guys. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> that's that's the news. Tom Hardy going to be Venom. Uh, number one, I'm excited that they're taking Venom seriously. I, I do hope that this ends up being good. I don't know. I, I'm kind of interested in the behind the scenes of this. Venom is owned by Sony, yeah? Yes. So that'll be kind of an interesting thing to, to uh, there, um, how much they're going to try to pick up Venom. Uh, because if maybe we get a little tease in, in, uh, in uh, Homecoming. But uh, it seems so far like they're trying to do this as a separate thing. So this brings me to a different topic um, completely before we go and talk about Guardians, because I think we're going to spend some time in Guardians, if I'm not wrong. A good, yeah, half an hour, probably. Um, Feige, in a recent interview, talked about reuniting the entire Marvel Universe, and that it's something that while they don't necessarily have a clear path to yet, he says it may happen sooner than I anybody thinks. I just read that article, and I think I think what Marvel's saying is like, We've got the sacks of money. What is it going to cost? Right. Like, I, I think Marvel is literally coming to this and saying, look, we, we've made a fuck ton of money. Like, like kind of like Apple is in the tech industry. Like, at any point, any like everybody's like, oh, man, Google's going to kill Apple or Facebook's going to kill Apple or whatever. And if they really wanted to, if Apple was even a little bit threatened, they were just going, you know what? I'm going to buy that. And uh, you know what? Fine. Keep the rest. The rest will be tip. You know, like they've got enough money. They can do whatever the hell they want. Uh, so now we've got Marvel making the Marvel money who's backed by Disney. So, you know, they've got the cash that if they wanted to, they could get these characters Swinging, back. flopping that Mickey Mouse dick right on the table. Oh, they would. He would come and be like uh, right on the table. It would make a, a, a very loud thud and everybody would be like, oh, fuck, you don't fuck with the mouse. Like that. I've, that is a thing that they that the people say. You don't fuck with the mouse because Disney can do that shit. Yeah. And that's without the Marvel juice behind it. And the Marvel juice behind it on its own is at this point ridiculous. And, and let's face it, these statements are being made um, in pretty short succession after uh, Jackman said the only way he'd put the claws back on would be oh, if he was to be was, an Avenger. Like, they saw Logan. Everybody saw Logan and they were like, uh, dude just make it fucking happen like by the like it wouldn't even surprise me if at this point feige was like i don't fucking care if we have to buy the whole rest of the x-men thing even with that shitty ass deadpool incarnation they did uh we need that so we can get jackman back to play this character feige's feige's in in fucking michael eisner's office or whoever the fucking ceo at disney is now 
Um, it's not Eisner, but it Iger, Bob Iger, by Bob Iger. Yeah, he's like, so um, what do we need to do to buy Fox? It, it wouldn't I, like <laughs> at this point. I just don't think that 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 the money. I mean, granted, they're not idiots. They're all businessmen. There, they're not going to want to pay you know seventeen times the market value of whatever these characters are. But at this point, I I think that they would look at that and and probably say it's an investment, especially Disney. It's the capital. acquisitions. Yeah, it's. The acquisitions that Disney's made over the last few years we, with uh, um, fucking um, Lucasfilm and with Marvel Studios, like this would just be another gigantic, like at some point what we have to watch out here for is that it, we're only going to buy our entertainment from Disney because they do not have a history of being, you know, like the greatest uh, um, um, stewards of entertainment, but um, they, they definitely could. I mean, like, I, I don't, I wouldn't put it past him to make this happen. And secondarily, Foggy's not a moron. He knows if he goes out and gives an interview and says, well, it might happen sooner than you think that every single blog that's ever, you know, ha- had a tiny little inkling of, of you know, a web shooter um, is going to, you know, post that shit everywhere. So, yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely fucking think that one of the greatest business decisions, decisions that's been made in recent history is Sony and Marvel agreeing to 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 cooperate on spider-man and granted marvel's kind of running the show when it comes to that and sony's kind of in the distribution you know well, alley with, but with, if you look at what the state of the properties are too fox so let's take the easy one fantastic four it, honestly whatever the fuck marvel would give them if they gave them like a six pack and and uh, uh a dozen donuts at this point fox should take it because it's yeah. clear that they have no fucking clue what they're doing yeah. it's like giving a monkey a, a, a um a, a laptop and asking him to you know write you a, a program it's just he doesn't know what he's doing he doesn't know why it's there uh, and fox is the same with a way with fantastic four so that's an easy give give uh then you look at um x-men and Certainly, X-Men is a huge franchise for Fox, but just look at what each of the movies are, and we've kind of gone back and forth on this. X-Men has very high highs and very low lows, and um, it's clear that uh, Fox, you know, they're making money for Fox, but it's not necessarily what it could be, and there's a very real chance that uh, the Disney could say, you know, here, we'll make it worth your while. You know, you, we're going to make more on this. You're going to make more by selling it to us, so let's just make it happen. So, I'm terrified at this point that fox is going to recast wolverine and the reason i say that is because the next movie that they're doing next year is called the dark the dark phoenix and like wolverine was such an integral part in that storyline that i don't know how you do it without him dude i would be really disappointed if they do recast wolverine already um like i think that if they want to do something like that they kind of need to do you know the way that the comics handled it and give it some time off before you introduce like say old man logan or something like that my my buddy that posted the thing about tom hardy becoming venom he was like well i was hoping tom hardy would take over as wolverine i'm like i was hoping that nobody would yeah and tom hardy doesn't i don't know laura kenny to me is is should be the next wolverine like i don't know how you do that i don't know how you do that with like logan taking place in the future and then you're going to come back in like I'm pretty sure the way they've been doing it is like we did the um, 60s with first class. And then um, we were in the 70s with Days of Future Past. And then we did the 80s with Apocalypse. Yeah. So I'm assuming this next one is going to be in the 90s and it's going to be Dark Phoenix. Um, 
and to me, you know, I, I do definitely agree. I don't see doing Dark Phoenix without Wolverine. Um, like I, first off, I don't see doing a lot of these big X Men stories without Wolverine because X Men is usually a big part of those stories. So um, it, it, it's going to be disappointing if they don't recast, but it's also going to be severely disappointing if they do recast. So it would be kind of awesome if uh, Fox, you know, if if Feige really did have something up his sleeve and they announced that they've purchased the thing. And uh, honestly, it wouldn't hurt my feelings terribly if they scrapped the Dark Phoenix entirely in favor of you know doing something Marvel and or or. Or it, it could be that Marvel says, you know, you got you laid some decent groundwork here, um, but we're going to make a way better Dark Phoenix story than you will. So uh, we're going to we're going to take that and we're going to make it a Marvel thing. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't see it happening without a Wolverine. Honestly, involved, and so I don't see how Marvel buys it and doesn't reboot basically everything. Minus Hugh Jackman. Yeah, because he said he would do it if that was the case. And they're like. If, if if you have that out there, then you take advantage of that because it's what people know. Even if you only get one movie out of, I it. mean, there's a reason why uh, they've recast every fucking buddy else in these in, in in these movies almost except for Logan. Yeah. And there's a reason why he's spanned all of these movies for as long as he has. It is the one continual fan draw. And after the 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 juice that they got off of Logan, like he, it's never been a better time for him to keep him as Wolverine. So yeah, I, I and. Logan to me, that movie specifically, like, uh, the wife watched it and finally, and she was just like, "Man, it kind of reminds me of being at work because, you know, she's a it's nurse painful and painful to watch in places." Yeah, she's a nurse and um at, at an old folks' home, and some of those people aren't all there, and so like the entire time, Professor X is like, "Oh man," being all. You know, there, there's some amazing performances in there, and I and yeah. I cannot say enough good things about what Patrick Stewart did in that film because fuck off, Logan. It was still uh, my favorite line. It, it's one of the best, but but his scenes were so fucking painful to watch because he did such a good job with him. And then like the end of that movie, and she was like, "Well, Jesus Christ, that was depressing." I'm like, "Yeah, but it was really good, wasn't it?" Like as I'm like choking back tears, like. Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, I'm really sad I saw that, but at the same time, it's like fantastic. So that it that final scene between Logan and Laura is so hard for me because if you're a father of a daughter and like you're you're like you're watching her and she's like, "Daddy, no!" Like I get choked about it now. Like I'm just like because yeah. you can't even imagine, you know? Yeah. Um. Uh, so Jesus. You know what's funny? Like half of this podcast so far has been us like uh, uh, going on and on about Marvel movies because uh, you know even during the DC section, I think we might have spent more time talking about Marvel than we did DC it's because they do such a good job right now. They they are they're killing it. I mean, I can't like you know what I mean. DC, give me movies that I'll do that about. Yeah, you please, know? please do, please do. I'd really love that in five years we're sitting around here interrupting every other section with DC news and stuff like that. Remember that time we thought Justice League was gonna suck. You know, that's that, that's really yes. what I'm looking. What Please I'm going for. Please make that be the thing, DC. If you're listening, that's what you should be shooting for right right there. Uh, I'm empty. Yeah. So should we get a refill and then come back and talk about Guardians? We should. I think that's fair. But now that I see that Logan's out, I'm downloading that shit right there too. And then I was I <laughs> checking your Plex to confirm my suspicions. I also saw the Batman animated thing is out, and I'm gonna download that one too. Which Took one? the kids to that. Uh, Batman Lego Batman. Oh yeah. It is. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Today. You will probably dig it. Um, 
I don't... Yeah, that's actually fair. I will say it's better than the Lego movie, and I think you will actually maybe even like it more, because... And with the pitter-patter of little feet, um, which of course in this case is a dog with nails on a hardwood floor, we are going to talk about Guardians. Uh, Guardians yes. of the Galaxy Volume 2. Um, I, I finally saw it, so I know we're a little bit late in this. That's my bad. I held up the show a little bit. Um, <laughs> Probably and, not as much as I held up the show on Logan. Hey, and I did I did actually give a permission for you guys to go ahead and talk about it, just not while I was here. So go ahead, record something, you know, get it out on the show. Um, but you guys were were very gracious and said, no, 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 no we'll wait and, and we'll talk about it when, when you've seen it. So, um so I've seen it. So uh, let's, I, I guess, get into it. So the, the first just, thing I want to... Just be careful because I have very sensitive nipples. <laughs> it, it stings, yeah. Um, okay, so the first thing I want to get into actually is the the way the movie opens. Um, because... I, me, me too, actually. Because honestly, a lot of what you see in the previews is like the open of the movie you just don't realize when you're watching the previews that is the open of the movie and and i like that because a lot of the times you show um they show too much in the previews and then like you're like yeah well, there was only all the good one parts. thing that i saw in the um preview that i wish i hadn't um but they you know they got to put something in there so it, it, it's uh it's sort of always the thing you're faced with when you're doing a trailer for these movies you got to put something in there there's only one thing in there that i, th- I kind of was watching and i was like you know this has been a lot better if they just left it out um, but there, there, every, the, there's a million jokes like that in that dude, movie. Dude, the, the scene with Drax jumping into that thing's mouth with his knives and stuff like that, though, like that looks like it could be like the end. Oh yeah, yeah, of it totally good, does. Like comic book sci-fi movie. See, and so. that, okay, so we should set the scene a little bit. Um, you guys have seen Guardians, and that's actually hopefully, if you're listening to this, we should pause right here and spoilers. say spoilers. Spoilers. We're gonna spoil the shit out of this. Um, if you haven't seen Guardians, uh, skip ahead. We we're only gonna talk about I think. A couple of other small pieces of news after this. So, um, but yeah, skip ahead. Give us, give us a good half hour. Yeah, I'd say that's that's fair. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, the movie opens up with this big gigantic battle. They set this thing up right at the beginning. You know, they are now the guardians of the galaxy. They've they set been hired up, by the sovereign. Yeah, they they set up right away that they're kind of a big deal, and they've got to save you know the these battery things from being taken by this gigantic space creature. Um, and so they, the space creature come, starts coming down, and uh, you got Baby Groot, who we know is going to be there. And then it it turns into this like musical montage of Baby Groot dancing, and you see this big battle going on in the background, and all that. But f- you don't really see much of the battle. No, you don't. And so I just love the way that they set up what this movie is, uh, because you've got this big epic space battle going on, and that they're doing this dance number with Baby Groot, who, it, by the way, absolutely like Groot stole the fucking show in Guardians One, and he kind of does again in this movie. I don't a know bit. why they actually went through the trouble of like paying Vin Diesel to come <laughs> no. in and be group for this though. But anyway, he's going to have a contract or something. This, this, well, you do. I mean, Marvel universe, once you're a character like that is the character that you are. Yeah. Um, but it, this opening montage reminds me of when Kevin Smith talked about if he were to direct the green Hornet movie, like the action would take place off to the side and then it would just be like the green hornet and kato standing there smoking cigarettes talking yeah the rest of the time like but, i mean this is a this is a technique that's employed um although I, I don't think i've seen it done at scale like this uh, um there are other movies i'm trying to think of one where you see something similar but you you do de- i mean they actually did this bit a little bit with uh the stanley cameo in in uh, spider-man amazing spider-man 
um yeah in the when they're fighting through the library yep. you got stanley listening to music uh, um and you can kind of see some you see stuff happening in the background happening in the background but this scene is like a, a gigantic version of that and instead of just stanley standing there you know looking at books he, it's it's baby Groot dancing around adorably and you know it's that scene turned to 11. Yeah. Basically. And then the other funny part about this is that it, it's, it starts off as like this dance number and you're like, Oh, they're going to do a dance number credits thing. And then it kind of extends from there too. Cause then Groot sees some little fucking space rat thing running around. And he's like, I'm going to catch that son of a bitch. I'm going to kick its ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it goes after that. So you get this really good introduction of like this new, uh, uh baby Groot and, uh, it's just so fucking good. It's such a fucking good way to start this movie um, because right off the bat, you you learn, okay, we're going to have some fun here. There's going to be some big epic shit going on, and, um, but it's going to be a fun movie just like, it, you know, Guardians is. It really sets the stage for what Baby Groot is throughout the rest of the movie too. Like that's kind of your introduction. Like he is a character even though like it's a little tiny fucking CG thing that just is like, I am Groot the whole yeah. time, you know? Like it's like oh. he's got a personality and, and this is the first glimpse of at that personality yeah and that's the other interesting thing here too is Groot's got a little bit of a personality in the first movie um although this movie i think builds on that a little bit more and what's kind of funny is in the first movie uh if you again i knew very little about guardians going in and i think that's true for pretty much everybody that saw the movie there's like four people who read the comic that are like oh yeah that's what the, this thing is um but but even they didn't like the comic yeah, but even they didn't like the comics. So the the thing going into that movie is you see this sort of like childlike sort of uh, character in Groot already. And then you see him, you know, stick his tree arm through a whole fucking bunch of dudes and slam him back and forth in the walls. Um, so it, it's kind of a fun way to introduce Groot. And you kind of just turn that character up a little bit, uh, a notch or two, because you get even more childlike and he can't quite handle the violence, but he still does some funny fucked up shit. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, I just I thought this was a brilliant way to set the scene for what movie we're going to see. And it's also an interesting thing, too, because as much fun as I thought this scene was, my wife, who is not nearly as into this comic book nerdy shit that I am, uh, she was she watched the movie with me and she was immediately on. Like, I think she turned to me and she's like, I love Groot so much. I want one. Um, and I was like, yeah, no, I do, too. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so it, you're like, like, that's really what I was hoping Kellen would be. But yeah, you know, no. She she was on board from the beginning of this movie, and she came out really enjoying the thing too, which I I can say is not necessarily true for all. Of, like she gets it. Don't don't get me wrong, but she does not nearly come out like um, she she probably would not come out of Civil War the way that I did, and I was like, oh, that's such a good movie. Or especially Winter Soldier would have been an even better example, where Winter Soldier is probably still my favorite Marvel movie of all time. And uh, she would have came out with that kind of like meh, whatever, uh, you know, action happened and, and things like anytime I can't figure out what to watch. I'm like, oh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. And my wife's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. But um, she came out of Guardians like really excited about the movie overall. So I think that's a good, you know, sort of indication of, um, you know, the difference between Marvel and DC. Like Marvel does not get up its own, as own ass as much as DC does. No. And so um, they get to have these movies where you, you do fun stuff. You, you have fun in the movie. So there are some, you know, there are some complaints. We'll come back to those as we talk about the movie. But um, 
I just, I was both excited that, you know, I could take my wife to something like this that was really kind of in, in my nerdy realm of shit that I normally enjoy that she also came out really enjoying too. Because yeah. she did, don't get me wrong, she's not like a, you know, like she's not like going to go home and watch the Kardashians or anything like that, but she's not normally like into the, this nerd stuff the way that I am. So when, when we can cross over on some of that stuff, it's really exciting. And, and I think that's a good indication of like she is for what I, what I would call the most part just a normal, regular old person, you know like uh unlike me who's you know into comics and has been reading all kinds of shit like this for years and years and uh who watches every single one of these things that comes out even um you know whatever shitty movie you want to pick is wolverine origins bro your wife is not normal no well not normal but i mean (laughs) as far as like normal you know like normal uh mainstream america tastes um I think my wife fits that category fairly well. Probably. So that's one of the things that I think impresses me about this movie overall is I, I think that uh, you can be the nerd and and really go and see a lot of fun in this movie. And you can also be like just a normal person who likes to enjoy a good movie and come out also the same way. I, I laugh my ass off. and Oh, I did. I was dying. And, and here's here's my thing. Like, I don't know that Dave Bautista has much in the way of an acting career like when it comes to other things. But God damn it, I could watch Drax all fucking day. <laughs> I could too. There's so much funny shit that Drax does in this movie. Um, God damn. Uh, the nipples thing. Um, the, the, put, uh, put on the flight thing. Uh, I don't know, remember what they the call flight, it. The, yeah, the, the space suit or yeah, whatever. Put on, the, put on the flight suit, the space suit, whatever the hell they call it. And he goes, I don't want to. I have sensitive nipples. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was laughing so hard. That's another thing that's like right out of the intro. Um, the other thing that that absolutely killed me this whole time was uh, his interactions with Mantis. With Mantis, yeah, yeah. Everything about You're everything disgusting. they were doing with Mantis, yeah, <laughs> uh, because they they really had this like beautiful way that they set this up too. Because that you see them almost positioned as like a love interest sort of thing, and. Uh, uh, they have, you know, these sort of sensitive touching moments and you think, oh, they're getting close together. Yeah. Like, uh, even I, the end of the movie, like he's like, you, you are beautiful. And then like on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I guess we could talk about that scene really quick. That, that was one of the interesting things. So they introduce a new character in this film. Uh, her name is Mantis. She travels around with this guy named Ego, happens to be Star-Lord's dad. We'll come to back to that in a minute. Um, but Mantis's unique ability is that she uh, is an empath. She can touch you and she can instantly sense what you're feeling and really kind of feels those emotions herself a little bit. And she can also influence your emotions. Uh, uh, so the, the, She can make you sleepy. Yeah, she can make you sleepy, amongst other things. Uh, but the you actually see her in the trailer a little bit when she's, like, uh, talking about, like, uh, you feel love. And, and Star-Lord's like, uh, yeah, I feel a general sense of love for the people around. And she's like, you feel romantic love. And then Drax is laughing. Like, that scene yeah. even gets better um, as it goes. Uh, but there was one really, I thought, very good, powerful scene. Uh, maybe not powerful because this isn't that type of movie. A really good illustration of uh, this, how, how Marvel builds characters. You have this empath and you set her next to Drax while they're out looking on the lake. And Drax is kind of smiling and he's telling the story and he's holding everything together. And she touches him and kind of takes on his emotion and immediately starts bawling. Because there's so much emotion built up in Drax that he just does not let out at any given time. It, no, you you can say powerful, and the reason for that is because in even in in the first Guardians, like out of all of the Marvel movies, like Guardians of the Galaxy is the only one that has made me like choke up at the end. And that's interesting. And the same 
the same as like it's the same for Guardians too. Like there's there's that pivotal scene like in the climax of the movie where you're just like, holy fuck, that's really touching. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of actually this movie had I think a lot of they sort of straddled this this gap between like going full comedy and like also having some dramatic elements to it um, that I thought worked out pretty well. Um, I think they balance it really well. Yeah, James yeah. Gunn James Gunn's extraordinary. Like his brother um, is in the movie. James Gunn's brother is the one that plays uh, Yondu's little sidekick. Oh, that's who that is. Yeah, that's so fucking funny because that guy looks really familiar. Like I'm sure I've seen him in other things. Because yeah. he plays essentially that same character. Like I picture him playing that same character in in anything. Maybe that's because that's sort of like a good character character archetype. Um, like that character looks like he's from Space Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> like wherever the fuck Space Alabama is, that's where that character's from. Um, but even he has like a touching moment where I'm like, oh, where'd he go, Space Alabama? Yeah. You know, like you got your comeuppance. Good job, buddy. Um. So, yeah, they do that really well in this movie, which is another thing that I think is great. Um, all right. So I guess we, we can we can hit the the plot a little bit of this movie. Um, so this this movie is. It, so the plot basically, I mean, it picks up kind of where the first movie left off. I mean, the first movie is their introductions, how they become the Guardians of the Galaxy and whatnot. And, like, the second movie is really all about, like, okay, here's all these people that didn't know each other from Adam yeah. in the first movie, and now they're a team, and they're trying to find out, like, their place as individuals within the team. And, I mean, it's pretty evident, especially, like, the interactions between Star-Lord and um, Rocket <laughs> toward the beginning, um, where they're just like, are I mean, are you trying to make everybody hate you? Like, yeah. Uh, all of that stuff was good. Um, oh, that's actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie too. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but the, the, the plot basically starts off with, uh, uh, they do this job for the sovereigns who are basically like, uh, golden space douches, um, who have a really wicked arcade setup. Um, like they, they <laughs> yeah. definitely, they spend some time in an I 80s mean, arcade. Yeah, it beats, it beats the hell out of any Dave and Buster's ever been to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so they get this wicked arcade set up and which is basically remote control for their spaceships. Uh, so they do this job. Um, uh, the guardians do this job for the sovereigns, uh, which did, is to did, protect the did batteries. You catch, did you catch the Ben Browder appearance? Oh, hell yes, I did. Like I turned to my wife and I was like, that's Ben Browder. And she's like, who the fuck is that? And yeah. I was like, he's from Stargate. And she's like, what the fuck ever? Um, I was also like, also Farscape. Yeah, no, I actually started off with Farscape. Uh, I was like, he's from Farscape. And she's like, I, I've never even heard of it. And I was like, and from Stargate. And she's like, oh, that's a thing that existed. Uh, and then, then she, we moved on from that. But yeah, I was totally nerding out over Brent, Ben Browder. Being and it's, it's one fucking of like three lines. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's awesome. Like, I'm, I'm happy to see Ben Browder ap- appear in anything of this scale. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I was, I was sitting there watching it. I was like, this Ben Browder. And then like, I didn't say it out loud though. Cause my wife would have been like, eh. Don't fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. My wife was, I told her, I was like, cause I needed somebody to like, Hey dude, dude. Uh, but she was like, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. That's, that, that, that was like the one moment where I was like, man, if Eddie was here, I could totally <laughs> yeah. geek out about that. <laughs> no, no. But, um, so yeah, they, they have to save the batteries for the space douches. And of course, Rocket decides arbitrarily to steal the batteries. Um, so you start off with this big space battle where you have space douches fi- uh, flying after in their remote controlled ships, uh, in really ridiculous quantities, uh, um, against the Milano. <laughs> And so the Milano's like, okay, we'll jump away and we'll be fine. So uh, just before they jump away, and as they're about to get totally murdered, um, uh, 
a, a weird egg shows up. Yeah, a, a weird egg with a sort of uh, uh, not sphincter-like door thing uh, um, pops into existence, fries the the, the um, space douche with, uh, with, remote with, control with ships. With a dude standing on top of the egg. Yeah, and then uh, the Milano jumps away and we're sort of left to wonder what happens. Um, so what happens actually happens pretty quickly after that. After we get a little bit of a touching scene with Yondu... Um, um, or sort of an interesting scene with Yondu. Um, sort of starts setting up. This is another interesting thing to me. Oh, yeah, we got Stallone. Yeah, we get Stallone, and I was like, what the fuck? What the hell's going on with this? I like, knew he was in it. I knew he was in it, too, but, and there's zero reason why it, he needed to be in this movie. But it's still, like, when it happened, I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> I, I have to think that uh, somebody was just like, hey, I bet we could get Stallone to do this. And, you know, Stallone is a big, big name. Um, and they're just like, yeah, whatever. Make it, make it happen. Um, you broke the code, you know. I'm, uh, you don't break the code. <laughs> that is pretty much how it goes. Uh, so Yondu's, Yondu's in exile. His team is obviously his his uh, fellow Ravagers are um, really getting sort of mutinous, uh, um, or that you know, there's tension building amongst the crew. You're mentally irregular, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> right, uh, <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> and uh, they they go, we go back to our guardians who just landed on this planet. Uh, crash landed really pretty hard, and uh, then uh, the egg guy shows up. <laughs> and meanwhile, Rocket's like, "I'm gonna repair the ship with my magic wand." <laughs> it is basically a magic <laughs> wand. Um, it's really like it, at some point, I I just know there's a scene, a deleted scene somewhere where Rocket's bitching because he has to wave a wand for that was a, 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 a couple of hours. That was like the one piece of detector in the movie. I'm like, huh? That's <laughs> They're, that's really happening. Like they're yeah. doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, love, the, I mean, they flat out fucking destroy the ship. The ship is broken literally in half, and they're like, "Oh, rocket will get it back together." And I'm like, "What? Yeah. What do you mean he's gonna put it back together? Does he like he's get the biggest supply of t- duct tape and glue ever?" Or no, that's no. He didn't have any tape, obviously. Mm. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but just the the argument between Star Lord and Rocket. Oh man! Because they were fighting over the controls the entire time when they're being chased by the the golden army. Sorry, Hellboy. Such good but, banter. Yeah, yeah it, there was that, and then like they get off the 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 ship, and they're just like they're still arguing about it, and like Star Lord calls him a raccoon, <laughs> and he gets all offended. He's like, "No, I'm sorry, I took it too far. I meant to say trash panda." <laughs> and he's like, "That's better, right?" And like Star Lord looks at the rest of the group. It's so much worse. <laughs> Uh, he's like telling everybody which is also what's funny about this is like he gets really offended about being called a raccoon which is funny because he's rocket raccoon um uh and, and yeah the, the trash panda bit and know, his winking thing. the whole winking thing that started actually when they were yeah. on the on the sovereign planet like and he's like they knew he was like <laughs> just uh, the the whole interaction like rocket's another standout character in this movie um and this is going to bring me up to my next favorite scene uh so uh, Ooh, the forest yeah the forest so uh, dude dude with the egg lands turns out that is uh, a character by the name of ego nice uh turns out this character by the Birthday. name of ego and ego uh reveals that he is star lord's peppy and that they gotta go check out his planet, you know, go come chill there. So they decide to split up. So Rocket and uh, um, Groot and Nebula, who I forgot to even mention, but she was captured. That's what they did the job for on uh, for the Sovereigns was so that they could get Nebula. And uh, 
they decide to leave Rocket, uh, um, Nebula, and Baby Groot to repair the ship. Uh, well, Nebula to be captured and the rest of the guys to repair the ship. Right. And then uh, Drax and um, Gamora and uh, fucking Drax. Star-Lord. Drax, Star-Lord, Gamora, yeah. Yeah, are going to go with Ego and check out his planet, even though it seems shady as shit, at least to everybody, but Star-Lord apparently. No, actually, Star-Lord's initially very skeptical too, but that that is one of the things that annoys me about this movie. We'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> We're really skeptical about this, but, you know, let's go. Well, they're really skeptical about this. Let's go. And then, you know, not like three scenes later, you get him arguing to Gamora about how Gamora, like, he's basically like, you're being so bitchy and just let me have my fun with my daddy. You know, like, and it's like, no, you were just skeptical as hell like five seconds ago. And this, this is shady. And we have She this was thing. originally the one that was like, hey, this might be your dad. Like, yeah. come on. Has anybody else said so they was your dad? They like immediately uh, reversed roles. And that, that to me was a little bit of a weak part in the plot. But, um, but anyway, this brings me to my, one of my favorite fucking scenes in the movie. And that is uh, the Ravagers converge on the location of of the Milano, the crash Milano. And there's a joke at the beginning. I can't remember who says it, but they're like, oh, it's just the raccoon. You know, what the fuck's he going to do? Um, yeah. And it turns out just wreck shit. <laughs> he he does so well. Um, he, he, you know, is running through Ravagers like a hot knife through butter. Um, in a variety of ways. I mean, he's using tech and all that stuff, but even that moment when they're like, uh, we got him quartered and you're out of your toys now. And what are you going to do about I it? Just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Beats the shit out of him. <laughs> Takes down these two guys. Like it's no big deal. Uh, and, and, uh, then of course that's, that's the point where he's captured or he's sort of captured by, you know, 35 guys or something like that. Um, and Yondu and all those good, all that good news. He kind of gets stopped when, uh, Yondu does the whistle trick thing, uh, arrow up to his face. And he's like, well, I'm fucked now. Yeah. Um, so Yondu like uh we from the previews you see the large fin on Yondu's head and you're like well that's different than than before um I I just assumed it was like mating season or something (laughs) um but then he's got his plumage but then the first time you see Yondu in the movie like it's still like the short fin that he has from the first movie and stuff and you're like well that's weird like are we gonna actually see it like grow and whatnot and then you know that that gets explained later on um because Nebula fucking blows his fin the fuck up yeah, it turns out that's like a cybernetic thing, uh, and yeah. that's one of the things that helps him control the little arrow jigger. Yeah, um, yep. or maybe solely the thing that helps him control the little arrow jigger. Yeah, because well, well, I guess we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, um, um, Nebula. Yeah, she kind of sabotages the whole thing. Uh, they the Reavers or Reavers, <laughs> the Ravagers mutiny on on Yondu. Uh, pretty effectively i'd say yeah they take over the ship they space the guys that uh they they, they fucking kill the the irishman from from uh, it, uh sons you, well he's scottish but yeah yeah they, oh scottish jibs, jibs. jibs. They, they killed jibs uh if, they, you're, if you're a fan of sons jibs definitely definitely in it he 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 makes it to the end happily ever after jibs like character yeah they're like well. so you know when you played jibs on son of anarchy can you do that but in a spaceship He's so like, you do that in a spaceship, only at I, the end you're not going to take over the group. You're actually going to die. Yeah, he's like, I, he just, he, I, I can do that. Yeah. Um, so Chibs, Chibs and the rest of the, the uh, I don't know, it was like a quarter of the crew that are with uh, um, Yondu uh, uh, get spaced. And Yondu gets locked up in a cell with Rocket. And they both proceed to ba- basically kind of, uh, you know, have their depressing moment. Groot gets uh, adopted as a mascot who they proceed to beat the shit out of most of the time 
Oh, that was so sad. Like I was watching that, and they might as well have like if they kicked a puppy. I don't know if I would have felt as bad as I did watching them pour, you know, like whatever space. space might as well have, like drop acid space on a moonshine baby or something. Yeah, space moonshine on Groot. Yeah, no, that was that was that was that was kind of sad. But the the entire montage where they were trying to get Groot to retrieve Yondu's other fin. See, this is another thing that that makes this movie. Uh, uh, just so much what it is uh so like you've already seen it so that that that, but that scene is just so brilliant like when they're like um okay so it's this thing it looks like this and Groot's like okay got it and he comes back and it's like something totally fucking different yeah yeah (laughs) or whatever and and all the things he brings back and and we're like we're talking about a hat and uh and that that whole thing of like talking about it like i don't like he doesn't like guys with hats because when he takes it off he doesn't you know it's like half of his head is gone um wait wait that's why you don't like hats yeah <laughs> um, and then he brings back a giant fucking table like he's just manhandling this giant fucking table over it he's like that's a that's a desk uh, uh and then the toe like that whole montage the toe. The, that whole like, scene. please tell me that was already unattached yeah Please. I am Groot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, that that whole scene is just so fucking good. And then, of course, uh, we get the the real, you know, how they get out of it, which is that he's still got one loyal guy on the ship, which is uh, the the guy who originally like questioned the, him in the first place. Yeah, the, the guy from Space Alabama. Yeah, Space he, Alabama. I, I didn't mean to mutiny. I didn't mean to make a mutiny. Boss. Space Tucky. We'll call yeah. it Space Tucky. Yeah, Space Tucky. Um. So, and of course, the thing they were going after was the big fin. And the big fin is my favorite because what happens immediately after that is another just amazingly badass scene. Like, we saw how what the arrow could do, like, why Yondu was a big, big, big deal towards the end of Guardians 1. That makes this look positively child, or that makes this, uh, that scene look positively child's play. Yeah. Like, uh, he just runs through the whole fucking Ravager crew and probably one of the most, like, badass, like, scenes that you can build. Um, just watching him stroll through in full Ravager gear with that big ass coat and just mowing down dudes and the way that Rocket just casually blowing fuckers through the door. Like, it's just so good. Yeah. And, and the scene following that between Rocket and Yondu. Yeah. Like the dialogue between them was actually one of my favorite moments in the movie where they, they like Yondu's like, I know what you are because you're me. Yeah. That you was know? such a good scene too. Yeah. Um, and so they go after the guardians who they don't know yet, but they're on a rescue mission for, cause while that's all happening, we go back to the guardians and, and then we get to the really like the, the, the parts that sort of piss me off. Um, Gamora, who was five minutes ago, like, Oh, you need, you need to go figure out if this is your father and how, how this is all working. And, uh, Things start to get shady real fucking fast. Who knew a guy named Ego would have a little bit of a narcissistic complex? Yeah, we, um, we find out pretty quickly that Ego is a celestial, which, by by the way, is basically a god. Um, he he willed himself into being more or less, or like he he came into being and willed himself together in a body, and it turns out his body is essentially this entire fucking planet. And the dude you see, Kurt Russell, is like an extension of this entire fucking planet with his brain at the core and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so he starts teaching Star-Lord immediately, like how to, that he's part celestial too. Um, he's his father that, that is legit. He's his father. It turns out he's got a bunch of half siblings though. Yeah. Um, so he starts teaching him, you know, how to harness, you know, what he is and that he's immortal now and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, Starlord this whole time is like, my dad's back and he wants to play catch with this ball of light we made. It's so fun. Gamora, stop being so bitchy. And, uh, it turns out she's totally right. And it gets immediately shady very quickly. Um, and we find out that actually this whole planet is full of like dead, you know, something or others, just mountains of skulls and bones and stuff like that from all of 
Ego's other children that didn't actually have the celestial gene. Yeah, didn't have the, you know, the, he mated with whatever variety of, of species to uh, try to pass on the celestial, celestial gene so he could um, basically spread himself all over the galaxy, which it sounds like a big piece of innuendo and it kind of is because that's his whole goal ego turns out face neck and chest really likes himself and he comes to his the conclusion with all of his immortality and infinite time that the best thing to do is to end all life and just spread himself all over the entire galaxy um so he's planted these seeds all over the entire galaxy and he has to do that and he needs star lord's help because he doesn't want to be alone he wants to teach him how to do this and help use him as a battery and blah blah blah. um yeah i mean for what it was that's kind of like the the uh the MacGuffin of the whole thing i mean it was the only part um, that kind of pissed me off a little bit just because of the like sudden flip like he goes from like dude i don't know if this is gonna work out to like they play catch once and he's like oh i'm on fucking board this guy's my dad dude we're gonna go blah 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 like you played catch once like i mean to be fair it's kurt russell and older kurt russell is charming as fuck he is he is he's immediately charming in this movie and although it um uh, you know, I didn't actually see this coming. I did not see this toys coming. I was like, well, Ego, I mean, that's not a great name for a good guy, but like maybe that will, they'll, they'll explain that. And he's so cool. And I'm like, oh, they're going to kill this guy. Like, uh, obviously the Ravengers or the Sovereign, Sovereign or somebody comes by and kills this guy. Um, cause I apparently also missed the part where they planted the, 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 um, fucking ego sperm thing on, on earth and all that stuff. You so. didn't see that? Yeah, that was I, at the I, very no, beginning. I saw it, but I just, when I'm thinking through the movie, when I'm watching this, I'm like not really putting together. You're like, oh, that, it's but the there's plan. like obviously a MacGuffin that goes along with this. Um, I mean, I know it's not a plant. I just as I'm thinking through this, I'm like, oh man, Kurt Russell's so cool, and I wish he was my dad. And they, they that that's got to be the sympathetic, like, uh, you know, they're gonna kill this guy off, and then that's gonna be you know one of the big you know moments for the hero, uh, uh, Star Lord, in this movie. Uh, not necessarily the 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 twist, the double cross. Yeah, no. Um, from a comic book standpoint, ego in in the comics is a living planet, and I was like, man, how are they going to do that? And then I heard they ca- they cast Kurt Russell as ego, and I'm like, well, that's weird. Yeah, because it's a planet. Um, and then I I'm actually really happy with how they did it. You know, as far as like the Kurt Russell character is obviously an extension of the planet and he's got to return to the planet, you know, every so often. Otherwise, you know, he fucking dies or whatever. But well, he doesn't die. He just says this this form will be depleted or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. like as he's saying that, too, I'm thinking like, oh, man, that that form's going to die. And then like, you know, essentially uh, become a new, like when the doctor regenerates or something like that. I'm thinking yeah. something along those lines. And it's going to be kind of a sad thing. Not just like, oh, no, I'll just go back and build another one. It's fine. Yeah. And he's like, man, it hurt like hell to put that tumor in your mom's head. And then all of a sudden, Star-Lord goes fucking ape shit. Yeah, I, I actually like that, too. Like, I yeah. liked that. I think that was a good character moment. Like, he immediately, like, five minutes ago, he's defending uh, 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 Ego to Gamora. Like, you know, we got to try this out. He's my dad, and we're going to be best friends and whatever. And uh, he, as soon as he says, you know, it killed me to have to put that tumor in your mom's head, um, Star-Lord just loses his shit and just starts unloading. He's like, nigga, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could hear the record scratch almost. Like, yeah. Wicked a week? Yeah. Um, and and just goes after it. So I, I could not... Um, I, I like that moment. I, I just thought that was a good... That is who Star-Lord is. Like, he is sort of only got... You know, there's a few things he puts his whole heart into. Uh, and that that's definitely one of them, so... Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, I enjoyed that scene did 
kind of feel like the following, like the big scene inside the planet got a little long. I did too, a little bit, honestly. Honestly, we, I mean, okay, it had a good payoff. So like it, I mean, at the end of the day, like it, 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 it worked, but I think it probably could have been 10 minutes shorter and well, still worked. I mean, this is another thing. They tried to put a lot of stuff in this movie and it worked off. It worked out better than it, it should have really. Um, cause we have this relationship building between Rocket and Yondu. We have the relationship building between Ego and, um, fucking, uh, Starlord. We have relationship building between Gamora and Starlord. We have relationship building between Mantis and Drax. We have, uh, more relationship building between, uh, Gamora and Nebula. Um, yeah, so there's a lot there. Lots of relationship building. There's there's lots of things going on. That's what this movie was. I'm just saying there's lots of things going on in this movie. So um, that the, I think a lot of people will complain about that. And that's probably one of the, the weaker sides of the movie is that there is really a lot going on in this movie. So it, it is sort of plot light. Like there's not um, there's lots of cool action, but it is one of those things that it's like uh, a lot of if you're the type of person who's like, uh, man, I don't like this episode of The Walking Dead because they didn't kill any zombies. Um, this maybe isn't going to be your favorite movie. Although there is a lot of cool shit that happens in this movie. Uh, um, but I could see the criticism there because there's a lot of things that are happening that aren't really necessarily driving the plot as much. Um, you know, like the whole Gamora and Nebula fight. That whole thing is a nice big action sequence. It, it shows good in a movie. Um, but there's a lot of ways that they could have accomplished the same sort of thing. Yeah. Although much smaller. Yeah. Ultimately, though, um, I think the development that I, I cared for the most was the Yondu. Oh yeah, I mean. uh, development, um, and partly because I'm, I'm a big fan of Rooker. Um, yeah, so am I. And my first movie that I actually saw him in that I knew who it was was Mallrats. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you ever want to see Michael Rooker's ass, you know that's that's probably good a good place to start. <laughs> um, I know some of you are sitting home, but been like, I wonder what Michael Rooker's ass looks like. Yeah, no, but. Uh, I thought he was good in the first Guardians. I liked Yondu. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to like Yondu, but you you do. Well, that's that's sort of the interesting thing. Like they did that, uh, they did that twice in this movie, at least. Um, th- this is another thing that I think this movie did a phenomenal job of. Is like, um, not only was were, did they do really well setting up these relationships and really highlighting each of these characters, which is really hard to do in an, an ensemble movie, anyway. But they managed to make uh, Yondu's story feel right. And they managed to make um, Nebula's story feel right. So Yondu and Nebula, who are both foils for our heroes, um, bad guys essentially in the first movie, they both come to pretty satisfying, you know, positive conclusions uh, um, by the end of Guardians 2. Well, and even like, so the beginning scene, or not the beginning scene, but like the first scene in the movie that you see Yondu in, um, in Guardians 2, where it's with uh, Stallone. Space prostitute? Yeah. I mean, space robot prostitute, I think. Yeah, I guess the robot prostitutes. But like the whole thing, like between him and Stallone, though, and he's like, oh, you you traffic children like that's against the, the Ravager code. You can't do that. You know? Yeah. Um, And then like later on in the movie, you find out it's it's ego that had him and he was basically bringing his children to him. Yeah. Because ego couldn't be bothered to go out and get them on his own. Of course not. Um, And and it was just Yondu, you know taking these kids to, I mean, to ego they just, to their dad they have a very um it wasn't trafficking them for 
you know, illicit purposes is, I yeah. guess, what I'm it's saying. It's just such a good redemption arc. I like yeah. that. Th- there's there's a redemption story in there that's really really well done. I think. Yeah, and then and at the end of the day, like he was he was taking all these all these kids to ego, and he couldn't do it with Peter. You yeah. know, he made the excuse that oh, you're small and you you can fit in these small spaces and whatnot. But like at the end of the day, it was because he really. Like he couldn't do it as a well, person. He said, "Like that's when I figured it out. Like I did, once I realized what was going on. Like I couldn't keep doing that. Uh, um, and then of course you see sort of Yondu. You know, like if you've got a gruff, you know, sort of parental figure in your life who you know loves you to death, but doesn't ever say they love you. Like that's that's Yondu essentially. Uh, um, so I liked the way that they did that that whole story. That that was I think one of the standout parts of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> just you look like Mary Poppins." <laughs> Mary Poppins cool? Oh yeah. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> who, no, the best part is who's he? Is he cool? Or yeah. is he, is yeah. Is he cool? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Um I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> yeah, so um you know that and that's another thing like as they're doing these they're having these moments where there's all this heart, you know, like they managed to brighten it up with some levity too. So that's that's I think just another standout part of this movie. The thing about Rugger too is, if you ever see him, like if you follow him on social media or whatever, like he is kind of like if you like if you tweet him and you're like, "Hey man, this is what's happening with this, and we're doing this for a really good cause or whatever," like he'll be the first one to retweet you, like yeah, like that. Like Rooker is just that guy. Um, uh, I didn't actually meet him, but I saw him at Comic Con. Uh, a few years ago and like just a fucking cool dude like talking to everybody that walked by him like just a cool guy like i wish i had actually like waited in line and 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 chatted with him and whatnot because i have a feeling he would have given me all the time in the world like he's not the guy that's like rushing you through to get your 20 bucks for the autograph and whatnot like he's he he genuinely like cares who you are why you're there to see him that kind of thing so I don't know. It it helps me like Yondu even more. But then like this movie is just the Yondu aspect of this movie. I thought was was amazing. The Drax stuff I thought was absolutely fucking out of this world. Like I I couldn't stop laughing every time he was on the screen. Like I'm just saying. Like again, it's hard not to make this comparison because we you know DC versus Marvel. But you look at DC in which we've got to introduce. Uh, really initially all they had to do was make Batman and Superman work together in the same movie, and they struggle to do that. Um, right. in a three and a half hour fucking movie, they struggle to do that. And then you got guardians of the galaxy, which is a longish Marvel movie, it's but two, 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 two hours, like you know, yeah. it's a two hour movie and they've got like 19 characters in this movie and they managed to balance them so well that they all feel like really well fleshed out characters by the end of the movie. And also this movie borders on slapstick, but sometimes, yet, yeah, but yet still conveys a message that is easy to receive. Like, it, it does sort of give me the same sort of vibes that like uh, Firefly and Joss Whedon do um, yeah. because they he, Joss Whedon is another guy who manages to do a lot of the things similar uh, similarly with, with to Drax Guardians of the Galaxy the character. Yeah, essentially. And, and and I think, holy shit, actually, now that we go down, the, we could go down this <laughs> rabbit hole for another 25 minutes just talking about similarities between um, uh, um, Guardians and Firefly. Um, but a, a big similarity is that they managed to balance Rocket all these. Rocket would be Kaylee, I assume. Probably. Gamora. Gamora is more the Inara character. Gamora would be an Inara. I'm just trying to figure out where River fits, and I was like, "Well, who's the craziest one in all this?" Groot. Groot. Groot and River. Like that's <laughs> yeah, same deal. Um, the the heavy. 
it's yeah. funny that the heavy on Firefly is a 105 pound girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Anyway, the, 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 I, I think that's a big part of the strength of this movie is simply that they managed, they try a lot of stuff. They do do a lot of stuff. And in some places it does overreach a little bit. It's not a perfect movie. Um, it's, it, but it is pretty close. Like it, it is pretty good. And, and really for as much as they're managing in this movie, like you almost want to give them extra credit because they maybe try, you know, like it's like, uh, when you watch somebody at the X games, try to go for like a 1080 and they only manage like a 960 instead or something like that. It's like, well, you, you still did pretty fucking good, you yeah. know? like um anyway that's that's my summary of the movie i i think that's about all i have to say about it there's a lot of other one-liners and jokes we could just make this movie is made for quoting essentially the, the, there there's a really touching moment between yondu and star lord when he's mary poppins no uh, no we already did that one. <laughs> no um there's that and then um i mean we already gave the spoiler disclaimer anyway so we might as well just just talk about it like Rip the band-aid yeah. yeah, the 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 fact that Yondu uh, sacrifices himself to uh, save Star Lord and telling Star Lord at the same time that Ego might have been his father, but Yondu's his daddy, and yeah, that whole thing, um, and then the fact that the rest of the Ravagers came, yeah, that to, that was because that was that was the thing between Stallone and him is is he was like, you know, when you die, they're not gonna light the you know they're not gonna light up the lights at your funeral, uh, you know that kind of thing, and. They did. Ravager colors aren't going to, that's what it is. Yeah. I think something like that, like Ravager colors aren't going to shine in the sky for you. Yeah. Uh, and then they did. And it turns out that's a big fucking deal. Like, yeah. Cause uh, they all um, showed up. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I wonder like if that's the case with, you know, like if you're a Ravager captain, it's just expected that like your nearest hundred Ravager captains are going to show up for your funeral. Or if it's just like normally like a 12 dudes show up and they shoot off some sparklers or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, big fucking deal at the end of the movie. Yeah, no, I th- that was the thing. Like for me, it's like it's it, when Groot sacrificed himself at the end of Guardians uh, one, and then this happened at the end of Guardians two. I was like, "Fuck, man!" They just—it's such a fucking fun-loving movie. Like you go through that, and then at the same time, like it can rip your fucking heart out. Yeah, you know. And James Gunn just has that capability, and I think the Guardians is a franchise that obviously lends itself to that kind of a thing. Um, pretty easily, like you know, better than the Avengers. Like you can't do that kind of thing with the Avengers. I mean, you can have some humor, like you know, the beginning of Civil War when Tony calls Cap out on his language. Yeah, you know, language. <laughs> no, that's Ultron. Was that Ultron? Okay. Yeah. So either way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because no, the, the beginning opening... of Civil War was the the thing with crossbones and the yeah, no, yeah. but yeah, Civil War. Um. Uh, or Ultron with the with the language thing like that's like you can do that kind of thing in small doses with that group, but it's not all three's company. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just they they balance they do such a good. I mean, Guardians is essentially like action comedy, almost is the way I describe it. But I think that they managed to throw the drama element in there. I uh, just really really much better than you could really expect them to be able to do. Yeah. No, I I'm. I'm a fan of this movie. I almost went and saw it again this last weekend. It's just that uh, I couldn't justify spending fifty bucks. Yeah, I think going <laughs> going to see it again. Would... I was going to take the the older kids to go see it. Yeah. Um. So the last part we want to close out with, and this is going to c- talk to a, another, you know, little. I, I think I'll just take a dig at it, and then we'll go on. Um. Again, we're we're struggling to set up Superman and Batman, two of the most famous characters in the history of everything. And what's Marvel doing? Adam fucking Warlock. 
um, you have to go pretty far down the nerd rabbit hole to even know who that character is. Um, so it's sort of ominous, like in the same way that Guardian, uh, like uh, not Guardians, but uh, Avengers, Avengers one ends up with the Thanos. Yeah. Uh, 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 and half the audience is like turning to the other half, going, "Who the fuck is Thanos?" In, the purple guy. Yeah. In Guardians. They set up Adam Warlock, and I got to be honest, I had to go check his uh, Wikipedia, and, and I, I think that there's probably like one guy in the theater that probably was like, "Oh, Adam Warlock, they're doing that. That's that's so cool." Um, but just th- that's where we're at in the Marvel universe. We're going down where we got Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a D-level book um, before the movies happened, and then we've got uh, um, them setting up, you know, now Adam Warlock, and it's this big, huge franchise, and and. Um, you know, they, they're just, they're going pretty da- far down the fucking Marvel rabbit hole to, and, and they're making that work. And meanwhile, DC's struggling to get Batman and Superman Dude. to work well on the screen. Dude. Iron Man. Okay. We get it. We know who Iron Man is. Hulk. We know Hulk. You know, we, we've seen these before. Um, Thor. People know who Thor is. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a comic book fan or not. Like, you've heard of Thor. Well, see, I'm not even sure. Like, not a lot of people, I think, would have heard of Thor. Thor would probably be um, one of the, or, or even you know, like going into Captain America. I had to bone up a little bit on Captain America and why I should give a shit about Captain America before I went and saw that. Uh, uh, and I think America Thor is lesser of, known. Than, Captain America is the tried and true, though. Like you know, like he's the Marvel equivalent of Superman, essentially. Like he's he's all American boy right so yeah just without the powers which is another yeah. interesting sort of marvelism is yeah. they, they made their moral center a guy who's you know extraordinary but not necessarily but also just human yeah uh mm-hmm. so those those are all characters that you're like okay whatever like i've heard of them we're gonna put them together we're gonna be the avengers and then all of a sudden now we have ant-man you know. I guarantee most people did not know about Ant-Man. And and I will also guarantee nobody knew about Guardians so much so that it was a joke in the fucking trailer when John C. Riley is like, who are these assholes? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, seriously. Like, that's just... It, 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 they, they've taken properties. That are like, oh, these were comic books. They didn't really sell that well. But you know what? I bet we can do it. And yeah. they did it. So, I mean... And then, you know, on the DC side, we're still struggling to make, you know, just basic, you know, some of the most famous characters in the entire world. I don't really think there's anybody. Cyborg is probably the only question mark in the Justice League movie that people are not going to know about. But Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, fuck who else? The Cyborg is an Aquaman. These are all characters that are essentially household names. And DC, it's a big question mark whether or not they can make these movies work. You, you know what it is, though? The difference is that at Marvel, with Marvel Studios, you have Marvel people, and and these people actually get the properties. With with the DC Universe, Warner Brothers obviously owns it. Yeah, they've got Jeff Johns, they've got a couple other people, but there's still some asshole in a suit somewhere on the fucking 80th floor going, people don't want comic movies. Like, we don't, they don't get it. They don't know. I, I don't know what it is, but like, just again, to set up the contrast, when you saw the Howard the Duck cameo in Guardians again, where you're like, dude, what if they do a Howard the Duck movie? I bet that's going to be funny. You're yeah. like, I bet that's going to be a good thing. And, and Howard the fucking duck. And, and here's the thing. Reality is they probably won't, but, but I'm just saying I'm at the point now where I think Marvel has a better chance of succeeding with a Howard the fucking duck movie than DC does with Wonder Woman. Well, I love the fact that he was the stinger. 
yeah. from the from the first Guardians movie. Like it's. I mean, that, and that's a nice little joke. I'm just saying when right. when he shows up and, and you know nobody like that's another thing. Like not a lot of people got that joke. That was a very you know like inside unless baseball you, joke. Unless you grew up in the '80s, like you probably don't know Howard the Duck. People like that movie. Like for the most part, like when I grew up, like that was kind of like one of those cult classic comedy movies was Howard the Duck. Like oh yeah, yeah that's a fucking hilarious movie. Nobody associated it with a comic book at that particular no, time. Though. No, 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 no. And so, like, I'm just saying, like, when, when we're talking about these things, um, Marvel's now at a point where they, they they do a Howard the Duck cameo, and I'm like, yeah, I totally want to see a Howard the Duck movie. And and uh, DC does, you know, a Flash cameo, and I'm like, I don't know about that. I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't think it's believable. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, they got that guy for that. I don't know. Uh, bring back the duck. Yeah, All right. Right. let's. let's shoot. Put the duck in the flash suit. Let's see how that works. All right, let's let's put Guardians to bed, and then we'll get another refill, and we'll come back, and we'll finish off the show. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right, so let's finish up the show with the potpourri category. Um, <laughs> for 500. Yeah, for 500, Alex. I will take uh, uh, my iPad loading the show notes. Okay, finally. And Netflix has announced Arrested Development Season 5. Yeah. Not a lot of news here, just the fact that it's happening. Did you watch Season 4? Uh yeah no well, no I'm actually I'm midway through season three, okay so I I started watching season four which was Netflix's revival they right. they did three seasons proper and then yes. Netflix's revival season four is not good no I I didn't really like it I'm actually kind of surprised surprised to see this rumor because I thought kind of it was gonna die on the vine um I think there's a lot of reasons why this is one of the big issues I think was scheduling so you'll notice this as as you watch season four but. There's not many episodes where the whole cast is together. The The cast is very much separate. So, like, they only really ever have two or three actors shooting at the same time. Um, So, that's one of the things I think that makes this a little bit weaker than than uh, the, the others. The other thing, too, that's hard is just gathering. Like, there's a lot of things that I think make an, a, a comedy or a show like this really what it is. And, and, you know, a big part of it is having, you know, the right group of people together. And I just don't know how many of them they got back. But there, there's... It just it lost something between seasons three and three and four. There is definitely some chemistry in the earlier episodes, especially between like um, uh, Bateman, Jason Bateman, and uh, Michael Sarah. Oh yeah, I mean th- they do have um, uh, of the pairings. That's that's one that's you know pretty frequently uh, f- frequently used. Um, the other thing I think that's challenging too is when you have a show that's so beloved um, that basically reaches reaches meme status. Um, like I constantly say, like it's a banana. What what can it cost? Ten dollars? Um, um, those types of things. Yeah. Or, or you know, like that's why you always leave a note. Like I, I, you know, like I, I use those phrases all the time, and it's just hard to top that. It's hard to you know continue that sort of magic. So yeah, there's just it's hard to bring back the magic on something like this. So anytime they do a continuation on Netflix, it's always a little bit like, oh yes, they're gonna do that thing that I love, and also a little bit of trepidation. Like at this point, Firefly, my absolute holy grail, like. I really want to see that something come of Firefly, but I'm terrified actually that they'll remake it because I just don't see how that's going to work very well. I wonder. I'm, I should talk to my mom. My mom was a big Longmire fan, and the only reason she has Netflix for streaming right now is because they brought Longmire. It back. Oh, that that is yeah. a they uh, a resurrected zombie show. I guess is that a thing we should call that? We should coin that term now. It's a zombie show. Yeah. Um, I should ask her how she feels about that because, um, like I said, I've, I'm midway through season three on Arrested Development, so I haven't watched the the actual Netflix only version yet. Yeah. Um, I I love the mom. Yeah. And and the fact that she's also the mom on Archer, and they're essentially the same character. Pretty much, is just one of them's a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah no i i think that that part's great um we we should talk about archer probably more on this show than, i haven't i'm not do. very far into archer i've only watched I'm not either, most of season one but it's funny yeah. I, no it's so goddamn funny yeah um but yeah, no, I, I really only put this in here because like uh, people who listen to our show, Arrested Development's probably right up their alley, and it's you know, oh yeah, season I, five I is still, a big, big deal no matter what. I'll so. definitely for sure stand by uh, seasons one through three, and I'll say that uh, season four and five is not nearly going to be as bad as like if you watch the Dead Like Me revival. Um, so uh, yeah, definitely like it's watchable. It's just there's a lot of things that throw it off for you. Like number one, it's hard to take the jump because there is you know like a time jump. So if, especially if you're binging it, it's going to be really hard for you to binge one through three and then have all the characters suddenly be ten years older. Right. Um, and then secondarily, uh, technology is one of the things that screws this up too. Uh, and so we saw that when you watch the prequel trilogy and then you go watch, or I'm sorry, when you watch the original trilogy and then you go watch the prequels and how fantastically different they look. And then when you watch that, that doesn't have to be the case though. Cause look at right. Rogue one, when you watch that though, instead, and you see how they did rogue one and you see how they did the force awakens. I think that they had a little bit of an opportunity to do similar things with, um, arrested development and i think they missed the mark a little bit i think that if they'd gone with a similar look and feel or a more similar look and feel it would have been more successful yeah. in, at least in my mind so not not a thing that's going to make or break a show but speaking of revivals like what are your thoughts on the fact that um we're getting a new will and grace series this fall on nbc and then we're also abc's reviving roseanne okay so Will and Grace, I heard about a little while ago, and I'm pretty ambivalent, basically based on the fact that I did not really watch a whole lot of Will and Grace. I watched some of it. It was funny. Um, I watched the trailer, I guess it is, so to speak, um, that just came out this last week, and it's, I mean, looks goddamn funny. Like, I think my favorite my favorite character always, anyway, was uh, Megan Mullally's character. Yeah. And, like, part of the, the trailer that I saw was, like, them... Uh, will and grace themselves like walking through the set you know and and yeah. you see and they they pull the cover off the couch and Michael Malali like sits up with her fucking martini in her hand <laughs> what i'm worried about with uh i guess this this applies a little bit to both of the shows but what i'm worried about a little bit is if they're just bringing them back to talk about current events like because if if, if the show's just basically going to come become one modern day pop culture reference i'm not really into it um, and then secondarily, Roseanne is the show that I did. I, I think I've literally seen every single episode of no, Roseanne. I fucking love Roseanne. Like, and I, it is a, it is a great show. It is a great show. What I'm worried about with that is that, uh, how do you get past Dan being dead? Yeah. So that's the big question mark is, uh, they, they closed the finale and Dan's dead and a lot of the shit's really broken. And they revealed at the end of the show that, you know, like these characters aren't really together and that one's a lesbian and that one's not and blah, blah, blah. I think it was, uh, what was it? Uh, Jackie, the sister is the lesbian. The mom is not, uh, I can't remember what the thing with the mom was. Um, Becky and, uh, fucking Jared Padalecki. No, that would be, uh, <laughs> that's not the right name at all. Darlene. Um, yeah. Darlene and, and David. Darlene and David are together. No, Darlene and, and what's the other fucking guy's name? Darlene and the other kid's name are together, and it's David and Becky that are together. Uh, um, David and Becky were together at the end? I, I maybe not didn't see the yeah, last Yeah, that episode. was one of her things that they switched was uh, uh, um, 
man, if you haven't seen the last episode, you should go watch it or at least go watch on YouTube. There's like a ten. It, it's really only five minutes at the end where they, they explain like, you know, so Roseanne essentially wrote this whole thing as a book. And so when she did, she wrote, she made some changes. And number one is that, you know, Dan really died at basically the end of or the beginning of the last After season the wedding or during the wedding or something. Yeah, he had the heart attack. during the wedding. And, and she made some changes because they made more sense and they, they made more sense to her. And so one of those changes was uh, she put David and Darlene together. Um, and, uh, she put Becky and Mark, Mark is his fucking name. She put Becky and Mark together. Uh, in reality though, it was supposed to be reversed. So, uh, hey, well, Mark's dead. The, the actor is, yeah, he's, he played Doyle in, in the first season of angel and he's uh, like dead. He, he died, died like for real. So, yeah. So, um, that's that's one of the things that I'm I don't know there's a lot of things that concern me about any of these sort of revivals number one is you have the very real world concerns of like well you got one actor who is a big part of the show who's actually dead um it wouldn't surprise me if the mother character is you know also not long for this world or if she's not already passed um you've got other characters who you know have moved on and done other things you know big bang theory I, I think is a thing that's still happening right now and and uh david of course whatever his his name is i can't remember i'm sorry i'm so sorry Kadalecki. yeah no, is, that's, no that's no that's that's, that's the that's, guy from supernatural yeah um, it's galecki like galecki there you galecki. go so uh david is it david too no i don't think so fuck me um it, it's gonna be mark it, for a nice little twist of irony no i don't think it is but and then then we could both be like martha why did you say that name um what you say that name? <laughs> um so yeah uh, I have, I guess, I have a little bit of a real world concern of like, how are they going to make this thing work? Johnny, given Johnny that, Galecki, Johnny Galecki, how are they going to make this thing work? Given that um, some of these actors just are not going to be able to come back. Same thing, like when we talk about a Firefly reboot, all these same concerns pop into my mind of like, how are they going to get that guy to come back? How are they going to get her to come back? How are they going to, you know, blah 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 blah. Uh, and then there is the, you know, like we had a again, same like Firefly, we had an ending that you know killed off some major characters that really made the show what it is. Wash. Yeah, uh, 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 book. Um, in this case, Dan. Dan is. Well, you book's know, really dead. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's he's, that. he's not going to be back anytime soon. Um, and then you know, in this this series, you know, they killed off uh, um, Dan. They killed off John Goodman, and and this show really is you know Dan and Roseanne. Like the the it's Roseanne, but Dan is you know not exactly second fiddle. Um, he he's you a know, big part of the show. Here's the deal: if I'm doing the show, this is how I do it. You enter the show, everything, Dan, Roseanne, the kids, whatever, like, they're all there. And they just make some subtle reference to the time that Dan had a heart attack and was in a coma. Remember that dream you had? Yeah. That was really fucking weird. Mom wrote a book and whatever and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. And then they just move past it. See, like, I think I'm on record on this several times. Same thing. If you want to do a Firefly, Firefly reboot, you know what you do? You just, it was all a dream. I don't really care. Pick your MacGuffin. It doesn't really matter how you get us out of it. I don't give a shit. Just write it and say, hey, uh, guys, we, we got license to continue the show, so we're just going to pretend like that part didn't really happen, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think the best way to do it is to only acknowledge the fact that that happened subtly and then just move past it as though it was, yeah, it, it just a plot point. Like, oop. Yeah. You know, like Dallas, when fucking Bobby woke up and he fell in the shower and hit his head and that whole three seasons that he was not there or whatever it was, you know, I didn't fucking watch Dallas. I just know that that was a thing. So, that, well, that's the all time. Like I had, it, that's where it all comes from. Or, yeah. or like this, this whole MacGuffin, like it was just a dream. 
that's I think the most notable, if not the the place where it originates from, is the the Dallas thing. So with Roseanne, I think I I, I don't know that I want to watch Roseanne without John Goodman. Um, well, he's already signed on to do it. So, so yeah, I mean, obviously they they've got to retcon this shit somehow, uh, and so they're gonna pick a method for doing it. And I just I I don't know. It's it, it's just you you kind of when you do a successful show like this, you kind of capture lightning in a bottle a little bit. And especially because the last season of Roseanne was kind of, I, I didn't really like it. Um, Ro- Roseanne was great because it was that show that like the original premise, I think was what was really made the thing magic, which was basically, we're going to pick a poor white, you know, working class with real actual concerns of like, how do we keep the lights yeah. on and shit like that? It, it, and, uh, you know, how, how to make that work. Struggling mechanic. Like she worked as a, as a, a fucking waitress, you know, and, and they weren't, they were never well off. Like that was the thing. Like, no, they were always, always the, the family was always a little bit like they're sort of a modern day. It's even more poignant now. And again, I don't know how, the, how well they're going to translate this to modern times, but you have basically most of America living in that circumstance. Like they're one paycheck away from their life totally crumbling. And Dan, uh, Roseanne always had that about them a little bit. They yeah. were always, you know, like, uh, um, just that sort of like normal fucking family who makes fart jokes and um uh, is you know not going to be it, able to dine at you know whatever the fanciest place in town is for the 35th time dude it, it's so funny because before i moved into this house mm-hmm. like i always watched reruns of roseanne i'm like fuck i wish i could have their house you know what mm-hmm. i mean like like you look at that and you're like, oh, there's a Shangri-La. Look, look yeah. At, look at you with your uh, basement, you know. <laughs> yeah, their basement and fucking uh, second story with you know, and, and at least three bedrooms, probably yeah. four, you know, because I don't think Darlene <laughs> and and Becky shared a room. You know what yeah. I mean? So, the, so I don't know. The the, the it, it's it's funny because I think that's really how they sold and build the show. Like they were they were like, we're gonna make this show for the average American. They were real people. Like it, it you know what? It doesn't even bother me that there wasn't black people in Lanford. <laughs> because <laughs> there I grew was like up, one guy. Well, and that's the thing is I grew up like in Jefferson. I had I remember there was one black person. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it it's not that the show was whitewashed. It was that it was kind of your typical like white trash well, that neighborhood. Was a, that was and that's how I grew part up. Part of it too is like it's it's white trash. Like I, I do want to see them update some of that. Like they they need to bring some more diversity in the show. Sure, I, I do think, but but also there is a, there is a point of that. Like we're both from like sort of white trash towns, right? Like there there's not a lot of people of color and and in in the the space where we grew up, and it it, it isn't because there's a lot of. Uh, you know, racial inequality or anything like See, that in our area. It's where I, where just, I will claim some whitewashing here is, I don't know what Lanford's like. It's, is it a fictional town? I think so. I think it's a fictional town. It's in Illinois. Illinois. It's a suburb of Chicago. Yeah. And, and I'm just saying, like, if you were to make a fictional town, I could believe that you don't have as many black people, but I would never believe that you make a, a If you're a suburb of Chicago, town. you probably have several Middle Eastern people there. Well, I'm just that's, see that's where it doesn't make sense. Is sh- suburb of Chicago, black people. De- there's there's a high population of black people. If we're gonna get you know really racially demographic or whatever, uh, you know, like I could not believe if they were gonna make a suburb of you know like Portland or something like that, they never have Mexican characters on the thing. Like right, that that would be absolutely insane. Um, and so I do want to see them update for some of those things. I, they don't. It, again, 
I don't know. It, it it doesn't need to be in your face, but they do need to do some of those things. And I, just I don't know. Don't Why think are we Roseanne, going down this rabbit hole? No, I just don't think Roseanne was a show where like the the race of the cast really mattered. Like no. I think it was that show that you could watch and it was just funny. Um, we were talking about God. Who was I talking to the other day? Where we were talking about shows that have. Well, what I liked about it is it sort of actually kind of bridged that racial divide a little bit too, because on on most TV. All of the white people on TV are like these, like amazingly well-to-do, well put together show, and that, like that's another thing that was. These were poor white people. Yeah, that, that was another thing that like made this show what it is was it was like just, just show average, you know, working class poor white people, yeah. uh, um, you know, just like middle America people, and and, and it bucked a stereotype I think in TV, and that's you know another thing like um um uh maybe taboo to talk about at this point but like the cosby show that was one of the things i liked about the cosby show every single time you saw a black person on tv it was like they were like always carrying around a boom box or something like that uh, um and and you know just basically being there for comic relief and then you showed the uh the cosby's on on tv and it was another thing that sort of bucked a stereotype on on tv which is because cosby was a, a doctor and well yeah, off. Yeah, they were and, like a well-to-do family, and they were they weren't always you know speaking in stereotypical sort of racial epithets. I and was stuff more like that. of a Winslow family fan. That was another you know sort of good like I like that show too of just like uh, the um, middle class, the middle class African American family. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm just saying like th- these are all sort of bucking of stereotypes of, and that's one of the things that I think worked for Roseanne is it was sort of a bucking of a stereotype in TV at the time, and and, and really want to focus on that in TV part, yeah, um, because obviously uh, by this point lots of people knew that that, but they were still doing lots of really insanely crass things on on TV as far as like portraying you know racial things or whatever. Bryce so, and I were talking about the amount of sitcoms that we could think of that had. Um, that that weren't quote unquote black sitcoms, right? So you had the Cosby Show, you had um the uh, the Winslow Family, Family Matters, Family Matters. Um, you had uh, uh a a different world. Mm-hmm. That was that was a spinoff, I think, of of some Living show. single, maybe, yeah. Um, but like. The amount of shows where you have like a predominantly white cast, right? And there's a black character that isn't there just to be like the token mm-hmm. person of color. Only one I can think of was King of, uh, King of Queens. And they did a really good job of that because um, uh, the main guy, whose name I can't remember, Doug. Yeah. Doug's friend Deacon. Heffernan. Yeah. Doug's friend Deacon that he, that he drove IPS trucks with. Mm-hmm. Deacon was there. And Deacon wasn't there, I don't think, necessarily to be a person of color. Like, he just happened to be his best friend from the, well, I from mean, the show. We're getting, uh, I think, a little bit, like, I think around the mid-90s, they started actually deciding, like, what if we made a character that wasn't just a total stereotype? What if what if, what if, a person of color was just in the show? Yeah. What if we had a person that, that you know, like, what if, what if we put a black character in the show that wasn't just constantly complaining for fried chicken or something like that? Like, because yeah. we weren't very far removed at this point. Like, in the early 90s, we weren't very far from removed from the 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 idea of like if you put a uh, um black character in a white tv show there they has were to not be watermelon a, and grape grape soda yeah they like, weren't just a giant stereotype or likewise if you put a, a white character in a black show that they were not just a, a a total stereotype like i actually do like family matters for that a little bit because um they they did do that 
a little bit especially you know kind of early to the game of like having normal you know characters of, of different colors in there uh, um you know and then there's the other you know hard part of that is like they have to address race in, in a black tv show at that time and so there there is the occasional like you know like uh, i learned something today episode you know like right they, they they have the um you know like fresh prince did this too like fresh prince did you know there's similar issues like the most impactful one though was the one where will got shot yeah and that had nothing to do with race necessarily. It was just, but know. I mean, they all do the the sort of like. Uh, now we're going to talk about a serious issue sort of uh, shows um, in in this time of day, and I I think that um, you know that was that was a, a step for its time, but at this point, like, um, just I won't accept you know like if if they do Roseanne and there's never any people of color in it, I just, I just can't accept that in the modern day. And secondarily, if they uh, do a show like that and there's only people of color in it who are basically total stereotypes, uh, that's not acceptable for this day. Nor do I want them to only do shows, you know, like, again, if you're going to go back to what really made Roseanne what it is, I think you have to go back a little bit to that middle class American sort of stereotype standard thing. Not stereotype, but middle class American, you know, lower middle class, actually, I should say, if not poverty, almost poverty uh, middle class and deal with the issues that they sort of are facing now. So the the sad thing will be is that'll be almost like a sad show to watch because at this point, Roseanne and Dan are in like their late fifties or something like that. Sixties, they got to be in their sixties at this point. Yeah, and uh, you know, for them to still be barely making ends meet at this point is going to be a little tough. Yeah. No. Who knows? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they're making the show out of. I don't know if they're just like, hey guys, you know how Will and Grace is happening? Let's pick another. That's an NBC show. ABC. What do you got? And they're like, Roseanne. It, it's it's kind of a sad state of affairs though, where they're like networks at this point, especially when it comes to sitcoms, are like, you know what? We got nothing. Yeah. What What are we gonna do? Oh, let's bring back some shows we canceled. Well, the th- I think it's funny because at this point, um, you know, the, this is almost a dying breed. Like net- the 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 networks are probably like they're struggling to come up with hits that are ever have ever been as large as these these sorts of things. It, it's weird because it's almost like sitcoms now don't come into their own until they're in syndication. Well, I mean, and they they nowadays they don't. I, I think like the Goldbergs. Um, like I know a lot of people that don't watch the Goldbergs. Um, or didn't watch the Goldbergs, but it's it's the like the first season is going into syndication like this next year, and they're like, oh yeah, when I can watch it every day, or when I can binge it and get caught up, like that's when I'll watch it. I'm just saying, like back in the day for us as kids, especially, I remember there were certain shows that were like an event. Like I do remember Roseanne being one of those things. Like when Roseanne was on, we all sat down and we watched it. Like that was a thing that it was. It was. It's. I, I don't know. I think Tuesday night. It's Tuesday night. It's eight o'clock. Doogie Hauser and Murphy Brown. Those were the shows that I watched with my mom. Like those were the ones that my mom was like, "All right, it's time. Let's let's sit down and watch it." Yeah. So and that just isn't a thing that really exists anymore. Um, yeah. And you know, not only was it an event for my family, but millions of families throughout the United States. Right. Like it's just not a thing. Like you can complain, I guess. I, I think that this isn't necessarily something. I do miss that aspect of it. You know, same thing. Like I miss having bookshelves on my wall, but I like being able to carry around everything I can ever possibly read on one single little device. Um, and I think this kind of falls into that same category. Like I do miss that sort of like, okay, it's eight o'clock. We got to go sit down. We're going to watch the show together as a family. Uh, um, but also on the other hand, you know, that, that is a, you know, it's nice to be able to just sit down and watch what you want to watch. Yeah. yeah so, I'm surprised. We 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 just spend like a half an hour talking about Roseanne. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Probably. Before we talk about uh, uh Judge Dredd though, can we talk a little bit about uh Vladimir Putin? 
Do how drunk am I? Hold on. I don't know if do we have enough beer left? Um Yeah. This is this is the new time cover. Yeah, the time cover is fucking brilliant. Um first first cover okay, so there it, it's met some criticism and not just with Trump supporters, but you know, otherwise. No, um, I'll stick with it. It's it's this it's is, perfectly perfectly on point, perfectly poignant. It it is the first time cover that actually hasn't had a, a cover line in almost ten years. I think that's fair. Um, the the criticism that I'm speaking about more than anything, though, is that Mad Magazine did a parody that was very similar to this several months ago. That <laughs> is now now it's on time. So yeah, uh, Mad Magazine was like, "Oh, look at this! Way to go, Time! Yeah, totally original idea there, buddy." No, um, yeah, I hadn't heard that. So if if you're wondering what we're talking about, the the cover of Time Magazine for the May 29th issue, I believe it is, which should be coming out this week. Um, is a picture of the White House, but it's it's slowly turning into um I forget what cathedral it is in in Moscow. You're not getting any help it, over it, here. It's a cathedral though. It's it's not the Kremlin. Just in case anybody wants to know, because it's every Russian stereotypical building you've ever seen. Like if you've ever with, seen a Tetris with the weird cartridge, it looks like on that. Top of yeah. It. yeah, yeah. Um, there, there, somebody somebody put together like a time lapse thing of it turning into it with mm-hmm. the music to Tetris and it's on Twitter somewhere. <laughs> I knew it. You, you I can knew find it. it somewhere if you want to. Um, okay. I don't think we can possibly talk about everything that's gone on over the last even say 10 days. I think it's fair to say with, with relative sureness that no politician. Okay. Has been treated more unfairly than I have. Okay. Um, unbelievably unfair yeah abraham lincoln who was uh uh you know famously lambasted during his day he had an entire half a nation secede um he was raked over the coals by newspapers of the time uh etc and it was eventually shot in the fucking head uh might argue you know who else might argue another president who was shot in the fucking head john f kennedy or at least his widow jackie onassis might might say that you know, given that given the opportunity, I think there's a slight possibility, maybe possibly that uh, that Nelson Mandela, who spent 27 years in fucking prison, might argue. Hey, let's let's talk about a Republican that actually may have been treated more unfairly. Ronald Reagan was actually shot. Yeah, like he didn't die, but he was shot. Yeah, I mean, with context to. The, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not coming it's to Reagan's move. defense it's and saying move. like he's you know perfect or what uh, what not. But like, okay, so people are making fun of him on Saturday Night Live, or you know he's such a fucking ass clown on Twitter that people just feel like they can just reply to him and and say whatever they want. Which you know I'm guilty. Have you guys but- seen, <laughs> have you guys seen that link uh or the the meme where it's uh the the top panel is a guy riding a bike. And the second panel is a guy sticking a, a, a stick through the spokes. And the third panel is the guy crying on the side of the road. And so that's Trump, except for he's like sitting there going, fucking press. Like, you know, like it's his fault. Like all Donald Trump has to do on a day to day basis is not put his dick in a fan. And yet every single day, that's what he does. Right. Like it, every the, single day. The one that I sent you, I think, I think summed it up pretty perfectly where it was like uh, Washington Post uh, headline is, you know, president shits himself and then like the the white house statement is the president would never shit himself and then like trump's statement on twitter is i shit myself but it was on purpose 
See, it's funny because we had another meme that actually kind of crosses boundaries here. Um, because Anderson Cooper was talking to Jeffrey Lord on, I think, Anderson's show this week. And he said to Jeffrey Lord, if Donald Trump had taken a dump on his desk, you would be here defending that action today. And uh, it's kind of sad because number one, he should have just stuck with that. He, ab- that is absolutely true. He should have just let that ride. He apologized for it later though. He's like, that was insensitive. I shouldn't have said something not very professional. And it's like, on the other hand, it's like, no, you're just being a rational fucking human being at this point. Um, there's a contingent of Americans and, you know, uh, especially, especially with these pundits, pundits that literally will defend anything that Donald Trump does, even when it is unbelievably ridiculously shady. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, so I, I mean, it, it, it's so hard right now because like you've got the the Russia connection, right? Okay, so before last week, everybody was just like, "Oh, these are unfounded accusations, this, that, the other thing." Now all of a sudden, this week, you're like, "Oh, well, he like it's been proven now that he leaked classified information to like the the Russian foreign minister, right?" Yeah. And so, so and the, the, the counter argument there is like, well, if it's the president, it's not really leaking. He can, he declassify. can technically declassify yeah. information. And it's yeah, like, you know, yeah, no, fuck that. Th- there's a difference between, um, again, th- this goes to the, the whole, like, is this person competent enough to hold office? This is coming from the same party that blasted Hillary for the, for the email server saying that if you can't be trusted to handle classified information, then you shouldn't have access to it. Yeah. Uh, my favorite a subreddit right now, I think, or one of them is like Trump against Trump. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's something along those lines. And what it does is it pulls old tweets of Trump criticizing somebody else and then immediately applies it to today's situation. Um, Saudi so Arabia? Saudi Arabia. We have we have a <laughs> multitude of things to call, call from there. So, like, for example, if you go back a few years, you'll have Donald Trump tweeting, like, why doesn't Obama just call it radical Islamic terrorism? Because that's what it is. It's just these Islams and their radical terrorism. Um, and then, of course, he goes to Saudi Arabia today and licks boots, and he does not forever. He's just, or, you know, violent Muslim extremism, or violent extremism, which is, again, the same line that... Uh, um, uh, Obama used well, and this is one of the rare occasions that Melania has gone with him, and she did not wear the traditional uh, Arabic head wrap. Yeah, and he doesn't blast Michelle. That's in- insulting. Yeah. He blasted Michelle several years ago for the same thing. Like, oh, the entire country was insulted. Blah blah blah. So what bothers me so much so much is not that uh, Donald Trump is doing these things because we all know at this point um, and when I say we all I mean everybody who's paying he's a, a even fucking puppet and uh, everybody knows it he's not even just a fucking puppet like he is a little bit don't get me wrong Donnie is really just a big fucking dumb bully who got out of control like he, he just got way more than he should have ever had in this entire life um, the only thing Mike, Pink, Mike Pence wants to know is why he's not sitting president already yeah that's that's really the only thing going through that guy's mind and 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 like at this point it's really relatively obvious that donald trump is a fucking gigantic liar he's a duplicitous asshole who will fuck over absolutely everybody as long as he gets his like Um, if you look up narcissist in the dictionary donald trump's picture should be right there because like there's no better example of it so that's not really what bothers me what bothers me is that there is a sizable contingent of americans who are still defending this behavior um especially given the relative hypocrisy like you have the same group of people and i'm mainly talking you know like your your average fox news watcher you have your same group of people who are like we remember that one time rest in peace roger ailes yeah fuck that guy fuck um but (laughs) but, i'm not even gonna finish just you fuck kind of sums it up 
you you have you have those people who at, at one point were lambasting Obama for eating like a hot dog with Dijon because what kind of elitist son of a bitch could eat a, a hot dog with Dijon? And then you've got Donald Trump who sits atop a golden tower and is literally making deals to f- uh, take health care away from Americans so that he can give tax cuts to the wealthy from his fucking golden tower. And While th- simultaneously eating a taco salad on Cinco de Mayo with a fork and knife. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and those people are saying, you know, like, uh, no, we, we need to give him the benefit. He's fighting for the working class here. Um, so what, what bother, what bothers me more now is, um, and, and this is, I think the, the most relevant, uh, thing I've seen that sums up sort of our position in the world right now, which is the rest of the world is looking at us, not saying, oh man, they're going to get that guy out of power. Um, cause I think at this point it's relatively likely w- he's going to be impeached there there's uh this last week there was already a call for impeachment on the on the floor there has been a a call for impeachment i've not been a hot button like even as this russia stuff was coming out which is it it has been for months now i i've not been one to say like we need to impeach him but at this point it's pretty obvious he's 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 impeachment is not long for the i'm I'm not a fan of the term impeachment anyway because a lot of people just automatically assume that impeachment means like a removal from office and it, it absolutely doesn't it's it's only the process of a of a president being brought to trial. Yeah, and it and that's um so far I don't think we've actually removed a president from office. For uh, John Adams. John Adams. Okay. Yep. So um oh you're right every other has failed like we didn't actually impeach Nixon. Nixon resigned. resigned. Uh, Clinton, uh, Clinton was impeached, was impeached but, but uh, exonerated. But exonerated. Yeah. Yeah. So. so um anyway the 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 thing the thought was you know us americans us you know especially us liberal liberal lefty americans or just not moron americans uh, you don't even necessarily have to be left i think i, I don't even consider point. myself left i i consider myself to be a moderate like free thinking individual you know what i mean yeah. like i just i just like honestly in and times gone by you'd probably be easily classified into like a, a moderate Republican state. I have been a Republican at one point. Yeah, like, and I don't think that's that's fine. It's just that moderate Republican is not a thing that really exists for any any a real moderate anything doesn't exist anymore. Like it it like here's here's my problem with the two party system is that as a country, we are now so divided that if you are not all the way to the left or all the way to the right, like you're considered like a traitor to your party. And well, see, that's that's the other kind of funny thing is you look at this again, look at this in the world stage. When you go to another country, uh, you know, especially a first world country, our our right is pretty fucking far right in a lot of cases. Our left is not. Our left is slightly left of center as far as most people are concerned. Bernie I mean, Sanders. We do have some. Yeah. But. Bernie Sanders, who is probably the the poster child for uh, leftist American liberal. Quote, unquote, socialism. Yeah. It is not even really that hard left in lots of other countries in America. The problem so anyway, is people throw the word socialism around like like it's a it, it's an insult. Like they don't understand what it means. Again, like people that don't understand the, the, the fucking police department or the fire department or you know what have system, you. Those the, those we, are we, socialist. We employ socialist ideals. tactics in in uh, uni- the United States all the time. But anyway, the point I was uh, getting to is um, even if we do manage to remove Donald Trump. Um, the rest of the world is still looking at us like the country that uh, managed to elect Donald Trump. Yeah, they're they're not looking at us and saying, "Oh man, good thing you came to our senses." They're still looking at us and going, "Are you guys fucking? How did this morons? happen in the fucking first you know, place?" Yeah, I'll tell uh, you how it happened. Fifteen percent of the fucking population of the United States voted for Donald Trump, and he won. 
that tells us two things. It tells us, number one, not enough people voted. There's a lot of things that could tell us. Like I thought relevant to the French election, this was kind of interesting. Um, they had a low turnout for the French election, and uh, it was still vastly more than our last you know, four, five, six elections have been. Look at this election that we had last week in the state of Oregon. Mm-hmm. I think 11% of voters in Albany. I, I don't even know what election that was. It, all it was was it was it was voting on like school board members and bonds and things like that. And eleven yeah. percent of the people in Lynn County voted. Eleven. And we still have a system, right or wrong. I don't necessarily think I want to argue against this one too much, though. But um, the last two major regime re- regime changes uh, for the Republican side, at least with Bush and now with um, Donald Trump, has had a president losing the popular vote. Uh, and taking power so even with the relatively low voter turnout america as a country is still saying we don't want this guy and they're still getting elected 15 percent yeah 15 percent of the population voted for him and he is the leader of the free world at this point um it's still disappointing like 15 percent of america is still a, a, st- a startlingly high number and, and that's now, still disappointing to me here, because it should be thing. easily obvious that he's unelectable it's 15 percent of the total population obviously not the total population is eligible to vote you have to be yeah. 18 and whatnot but when you when you look at the big picture and you say okay 15 percent of the entire population voted for this guy of that 40 percent of total voters voted yeah, like of eligible voters. I don't think it like was there even was sixty percent or more of eligible voter uh, eligible voters that just didn't vote. Yeah. So anybody can say that it's rigged or this that or the other thing, but if you don't go and vote, then it's your fault. Your fault. Yeah, you did this. Thanks a <laughs> fucking lot. Um, you're not quite as complicit as people who voted for Trump, but you're not far behind. You know, and and you brought up the point of like the the fact that there were people that supported him that are still supporting him at this point. And I actually talked to some of those people like this last couple of weeks just about the different things and um, his his opposing stances that he's taken. You know, compared to some of his previous tweets when Obama was in office, and like the only excuse I ever hear is, "Well, I mean, when you're on the other side of things, it, you know, things are different. You have to you have to look at things differently." Yeah, and and I would be totally on board with that if they weren't the same people who were complaining about Obama one time wearing a tan suit. Yeah, it's just it's the same. It's those same people that are just like they look at the fact that the FCC voted to overturn net neutrality today, mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Well, you you have to look at things from a different perspective." Well, no, yeah, you don't. Like, I guess it's either. I guess it's if either I were bent good, over with a lead pipe shoved in my ass, I would see things from a different perspective. That doesn't necessarily make it a good thing. I mean, I still wouldn't agree with with anti net neutrality, though. You know what I mean? Um, the good thing about the net neutrality thing, though, is at least the FCC, after they voted, they're like, "Well, we should still listen to the people." And now we have until August to basically voice our our opinions about where we stand on it. But you which know, guys, you're listening to this podcast only because net neutrality exists. Uh, go fucking tell the FCC how you feel about that. Yeah, go FCC yourself. This is com. this is no different than SOPA. 
Same thing. No, we, we've we, we've shot this down as a populace already many times. I really hope that the internet collectively decides to go do something about that again, because that's what happened last time when SOPA came about. Um, lots and lots of websites on the internet went dark for a day, uh, which, by the way, we haven't talked about this, but we're totally participating if that's the case. We will go dark. The the, the 12 people who visit whatever a day, seven of which are bots, um, you will be very disappointed if you hit whatever.co <laughs> that day, because you will not be able to get your content. Yeah, no, it's... Here's the thing, even even though companies like Verizon and Comcast uh, and and fucking AT and T and whatnot have, have come out and said, even like they won't charge oh, more. Those fucking liars. Here's the though. thing. Here's the thing. I'm just gonna point out the fact that Donald Trump said that uh, repealing and replacing Obamacare would be easy. Okay. Like, th- there's zero zero again. If you are the type of person who believes anything Comcast, AT&T, etc. will say, you are a gullible fucking person because they have nothing but a history of lying. Likewise, if you believe Donald Trump at his word for fucking anything at this point, you are a gullible fucking person because he lies most of the time when he's talking. Most of the time when he's talking, he is shooting out lies. Otherwise, he's just stringing together words and hoping nobody notices that they don't make actual sentences. I have a tremendous head of hair, okay? This is not a come over. It is unbelievable how thick my hair I'm is. Just, I'm just saying, like, have you ever listened to him try to answer a question? Like, when they say, so, um, I noticed uh, that there's a little bit of tension in the Middle East between Syria and Sudan or something like that. Uh, how does your administration plan to combat that, specifically the arms dealing going on between the two countries? It's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got just... the greatest plan. All yeah. right. You won't even believe the plan we've got. It's tremendous. All you need to do is just trust us. Okay. It's unbelievable. It's a great plan. We've got the top minds working on it. And trust me, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no, I'm no dummy. I, I've, I've got an intellect like you wouldn't believe. Like um, Steve Bannon, okay, Steve Bannon. He tests high with the black population, okay. It's unbelievable. <laughs> now we're just going for bald face lies, aren't we? <laughs> um. Anyway, that's almost a verbatim quote. Like it, it's funny. Like anytime. It's become a game to me to watch uh, any sort of interview with Trump or really read the transcript because I can't stand the side of him. Um, but uh, and see the times where he either just tells open, bald faced lies that are easily verifiably false, and the times where he just makes words into some sort of paragraph like structure that means nothing, that just absolutely means nothing. It, it it's very reminiscent of some of like the uh, like, uh, 80s sports, sportscasters where they're just like, well, Dan, at the end of the day, it's whoever scores the most points is going to win the game. Yeah, it's like Marco Rubio le- level of like, uh, um, well, that is a thing that the president said. That's my official comment on this matter. Yeah. yeah you know, like, good job, Marco. Really making those bucks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Sean Spicer. Yeah. All right. Let's Spicy. get off. The, let's let's get off this. I don't know. We don't have enough beer left to keep this conversation going. I mean, I got all night, but I'm just saying, <laughs> at some point, you're gonna have to call the ambulance, and they'll have to shove charcoal in me because the longer I talk about this, the more I'm gonna want to drink. So let's talk about a less dystopian future and talk about Judge Dredd. <laughs> oh, segue of the month, folks. Segue of the month with over here, Matt Tesson. Uh, Judge Dredd. Producer wants Carl Urban back for the TV show. Not only wants him back, but thinks it's a possibility. Well, first off, I think it's a possibility. He, I, you, I do did too. you did you see the almost human TV show? Yeah. 
Yeah, so he's willing to TV, number one. Number two, he is a big fan of Dread. We talked about this on the show. Uh, he, Got into the comic books on his own, like organically, as they say. Yeah, he played the character. He's one of the few modern actors who was willing to wear a helmet the whole fucking time. Like, um, And you can't see his face. And you probably, if you're not a fan, don't even know that it's Carl Urban under the helmet. Um, maybe you do, because he, he does have a very def, uh, defining uh, job. But whatever. Um, Dude. I just, I'm just saying, Robert Downey Jr., you don't see him uh, wearing a helmet the whole time. They show close-ups of his face like half the fucking movie in, inside the helmet. Um, that was not a thing with Dread whatsoever. You just literally don't see the top half of Carl Urban's face the no, entire time. No. So I, I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. If it's I, I would TV. almost go so far as to say that even in Star Trek, like he's not Carl Urban in Star Trek. Like He, he absorbs himself so much in the part of, of Dr. Jim McCoy that he is McCoy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's almost the same as wearing a helmet because he's so fucking in that zone. Like he, I just, I think he's the type of guy that uh, he, he would actually do this. Number one, it's a little bit of a passion project for him. And number two, um, I don't think egos is much of a problem. No, I think he's, he's pretty grounded. I, I would say the only thing that I did read though, is that after almost human, he has kind of vowed never to do TV again because that show kind of got dicked over. That was another sort of like I mean, it did. Fox taking the Firefly uh, uh, playbook and just like, yeah, we'll just put these on whatever and people will watch it because they'll know randomly that it's on. What, what kind of asinine fucking ideology is it that you, you subscribe to where you're just like, you know, we, we can play episode 14 first. It's fine. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um so yeah i'm excited i hope that i hope that happens that would be really a lot of fun and i think our urban's great as dread and that movie was really phenomenal i don't know you know it'll be hard to do that i mean although dread is a movie done on a fairly small budget relative um so i'll be excited to see them do something similar with that so even if they don't get urban though i'm excited for this project because i think now that they see it, it, uh what the potential of that is and quite frankly we, we are ripe for something like judge dread yeah it's i mean it's maybe not the tv series that we want but it's the tv series we deserve that is the tv series we want to no it is um all right, last but not least, we're going to go back into politics a little bit and talk about the former governor of California. Go on. Um, <laughs> he's talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. If you weren't already, because he's the only former, let's face it, folks at home, uh, you, like me, are the only former governor of California you can name is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Gray Davis. <laughs> yeah, it's Gray Davis. Yeah. Totally. No. <laughs> no. Gray Davis is the former governor of, of California that uh, Schwarzenegger actually replaced in the uh, um, uh, recall election. But anyway, uh, we're talking about Terminator and how he's going to be a Terminator again. <laughs> I can't say it with a straight face. I can't. I'm going to give him props at this point. I like, mean, uh yeah what is this picture from is that from a previous terminator that's from genesis i believe really yeah because he's old well i mean he's old now is what i'm wondering like i, I thought maybe this was like pre-screen footage it's back it's moving forward uh cameron has some good ideas of how to continue with the franchise i will be in the movie dude i'm just saying ralph garman needs to watch his back <laughs> <laughs> um that's right. We're coming for you. Guys. That's that's what he said. That's what Schwarzenegger said about um, the new Terminator movie. Uh, it 
Yeah. Um, it'd be funny if he like played the cleaning lady or something. Like he's not coming back as like the T one hundred. Um, is it no? Is it T one hundred? Ah, it's the room service. <laughs> oh can shit! I, can I turn nervous. down your sheets? Yeah. Is there a maid? Can I fuck the maid? I like fucking maids. Don't tell Maria. I accidentally touched her a little. Um, my my. You got Russian. Yeah, I did. Oh, <laughs> <just been> straight <laughs> Russian. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so I, I think I don't have anything to say about this at all. So unless you want to talk about it, I think this is about a good time to close it, out the it, show. Uh, no, here's the thing. The Terminator was... Uh, I love Terminator. Like, I really do. I like the first one. I like Judgment Day. Judgment Day is fucking awesome. It it really comes down to Judgment Day. Terminator 1 is a good flick. Don't get me wrong. Judgment Day is really, though, like... It it manages. It's one of the few movies that can, as a sequel, completely outshines the first movie. It, it it's okay. So the Terminator in the first movie, uh, the the T eight hundred, he's the bad guy. Eight hundred. Thanks. I was mixing T one hundred, T one thousand, whatever. No, it's his, he's a, he's a T eight hundred. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Um, you got Michael Bean as as uh Kyle Reese. Um, it. <sighs> The first movie was kind of scary, right? It like it's scary because like you got this this thing that just won't stop happening. I mean, it's basically like a, almost a low budget horror flick. Yeah, he's he's coming after you. You can't stop him. It, it is what it is. Um, you got uh, what is it, Linda Hamilton, right? Yeah, and and you know she's Linda Hamilton. I <laughs> I never really thought she was that pretty, but whatever. Um. She's, I mean, she's, she's kind of she, hotter in T2. She's older dude. by a lot, but she's all like, she's, look at me. I'm a fucking warrior now. Yeah. I, <laughs> so. I just, like, it's like that, uh, Futurama scene with the Amazons, like, uh, yeah. like death by snoo snoo. Uh, and, and they kind of go back and forth from like, ah, yeah. Ooh. Uh, you know? Yeah. So you got that whole aspect going for it. T2 was that thing that just happened. And, like, minus Eddie Furlong, who didn't really go on to do much of anything after the after T2. But, like, you have the villain from the first movie. All of a sudden, he's back, but he's the good guy now. And and they do that that, that face turn, so to speak, if we're talking wrestling, mm-hmm. um, in a believable fashion. Because you got, then you got the T-1000, the liquid metal Terminator, and Robert Patrick did a fucking amazing job. I mean, that. and there's also the whole aspect of like, um, they just definitely hadn't done effects like that before. No, um, they did an amazing job. The, with the abyss, the, the abyss. They kind of took the technology that they use in the abyss, and, yeah. and turned that into the liquid metal. But like, not a lot of people actually. I mean, maybe a lot of people saw the abyss, but like, it, it wasn't like a thing where people recognized it as as this is what it is. And and they took that and they turned it up to eleven, so to speak. You yeah. Know, if we're if we're talking Spinal Tap. Um, and it was just, we've used that phrase a couple times. Now, I know, actually. I know. It it was it was a a solid fucking uh sequel though. Like it it was it did surpass the original. People latched onto it. It was great. Uh, Terminator Three came along and they were like, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Consequently, the actor sucked. that played the lead um has been on a drug bender for the last five years, and nobody knows where he's at. I don't think that is a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, it's also not false. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got um, Genesis. 
Genesis movie that was a much better trailer than it was a movie. I didn't hate Genesis, but I laughed through a lot of it because it was more. No, I hated Genesis. I didn't hate it. I just I couldn't hate it because I was just like, really. Like, I re- I remember distinctly feeling as I was watching the movie like that I got bait and switched. I was like, no, I watched that trailer. I want that trailer. Bring the trip. Why 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 am I watching this shit? I want the fucking trailer. No, like I just thought it was a comedy. Like the wife and I laughed through the whole goddamn thing. Perfect. Um. So yeah, I just salvation th- though. Movie, salvation wasn't terrible. I like salvation. Salvation. That was that was the yeah. one. That was the one with um. Well, yeah, fucking. Um... Oh, good for you, <laughs> Christian Bale. Christian Bale, yeah, he was John Connor in that one. Wasn't that Genesis? No. Okay, because that movie. No, that's the movie where I felt like it was uh, Salvation. Then Salvation was the one with uh, fucking um, Sam Worthington, or was that? Yeah, Sam Worthington. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was yeah, the, yeah. the T eight hundred. Or sort of the whatever theater. Sam yeah. Worthington. Uh, yes, that is the movie where I watched that movie, and I, uh, I saw the trailer for that, and, and as I was watching that, I was like, man, I just that was the movie that uh, I I don't know, I can't even fucking remember Genesis. Then I don't even know. What I don't that know is. if you watched Genesis, but I I didn't hate Salvation. I, I've seen them all, so it, it should be telling that I don't remember what Genesis is, and that for Salvation, my entire feeling going through the movie was, I wish I could just watch the trailer again. I didn't hate Salvation for the one reason that Kyle Reese has always been kind of my favorite character in that whole thing. And that it about halfway through Salvation, you realize that this isn't actually about John Connor, even though even though you hired Christian Bale to play him. And that was actually a problem. Like if if it wasn't going to be about John Connor, they shouldn't have hired Christian Bale, because uh, that was one of the things that I heard about that movie was that uh, Christian Bale's like ego for better or worse sort of took over a little bit and and when i say that i don't even know that it was necessarily christian bale it may have just been like well we got christian bale i mean we got to give him a bigger part in the movie right um so yeah just fuck that movie genesis was the one where they kind of retold the story from the first terminator but things were different i i just i just (laughs) The, anyway. Everything after Terminator 2 just needs to stop. Everything after Terminator 2, just what the fuck are you doing? If if you want to read the article that we posted from Heroic Hollywood. Oh, yeah, this is the No, I haven't even seen this. It's it's going to be a link. I'm getting the backwards order. Yeah. Like Salvation came first, then Genesis, yeah. and I didn't even see Genesis. It, it's going to be a link that says he'll be back and he'll keep coming back until someone tells him not to. Well, I mean, I think people are already telling him not to. I think he'll keep coming back as long as there keeps being a paycheck. Yeah, that's probably true too. Yeah, what what should stop people here is like again Jurassic Park theorem. They 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 didn't stop to think if they should. should. <laughs> they only stopped to think if they could. Yeah, no, right. I, it's the Terminator. I think I liked the first two movies. I loved the TV show. If you ever watched the Sarah Connor Chronicles, I'm impressed that you could say that right now. Why? Because you think I'm toasted? <laughs> no, um, um, maybe. Uh, Lena Headley. Played Sarah Connor. I think it's Heedy. I think we fuck this up every time. Hold on, I'm gonna look it up. Keep going. You so, go ahead, but it's it's Hadley. River, River, River was in this too. Yes, Summer Glau. Yeah. Um, as as a Terminator, and she was fucking badass in it. Um, also the guy from 90210, David from 90210. It's Heedy. Is it? Yeah, H E or Hedy. I don't know. It's it's Head E Y. Oh, there's no L. No, my no. bad. I'm sorry, Lena. It's tricky. Um, anyway, 
the, the, she's not going to come on the show now. I know we fucked it up. Damn it. Um, no, uh, somebody asked us the other day if we have ever had any guests. And I said, yeah, we had Marv Wolfman. They're like, who's next? And I'm like, I don't know. Marv Wolfman. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can get him to come back. Except for if he listened to any of the other, like, man, he's just got a lot, got to have a lot of time on his hands at this point because, um, he does a lot of cons and stuff like this and he did our show. So I just, I assume he's just a really nice guy who's just like, Oh yeah, the, these seem like nice boys. And the, he didn't actually ever listen to an episode of the show. And he's like, I, yeah, we'll do it. I just think it would be funny if like that, that happened to be the case where like the only guest we ever had was just Mark Wolfman. <laughs> it is sort of a, uh, yeah, it, it, it's like a, um, it seems like that that's the start of a Kevin Smith movie. Cause at this point, like we're just kind of banking on the fact that like people listen to us now, like, We've only had one guest ever. If we had somebody else as a guest, it would just seem weird at this point. Yeah. Um, anyway, no. Um, the 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 TV show was great. I liked it. Um, it was really well done, actually. And I thought that maybe the franchise should have ended there. But, you know, I would be back. Yeah. That's, that's just what, that, yeah. I don't know. I got nothing else as far as that goes. We're going to watch some WE tomorrow. We are WWE. Uh, I won't be around to record. I got some work to do early in the morning. So by the time the thing's over, I don't think I'm going to be recording. No, I don't. I don't think we're going to record at all for it because it'll just be me. Because you'll have to take Bailey home. <laughs> yeah, so we'll cover it after. We'll cover it after. Um, probably next week. We'll talk about that. Um, Jenner Mahal versus Randy Orton for the title. Um, Charlotte's there for something, and I think we're getting Dolph Ziggler versus. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, so which, I don't. Which I'll, ought to be fun. I don't even know if I care about this pay per view anyway. Then. Yeah, you care. You care enough to be here. Well, yeah, I, I totally come to it. I just you're bringing I, the buns I, for the I, meatball I, sandwiches, so you. Have I thought to be I was here. bringing tomato sauce. Am I doing? Well? You're bringing the buns and tomato sauce. Okay, fair. Um. Anyway, we'll it cover. Cost it. you it's all gonna be $3. exciting. I know. I just probably undersold that, but our coverage is gonna be amazing, and you should listen to it. We'll, um. We'll, one of us will live tweet throughout, so you know. You won't hear this until after, but keep that in mind. Yeah. All right, guys. That's the show for this week. If you want to tell us about how you feel about the Terminator franchise or why I'm underselling this WWE pay-per-view event uh, at whatever show. On or Twitter. if you have an unbelievable Donald Trump story. All right. But it's got to be tremendous. Otherwise, it won't make the air. We don't even necessarily need it to be true, just like the rest of America. Unbelievable. Yeah. All right. Keyword. Unbelievable. Bigly. Vaguely unbelievable. <laughs> Facebook.com slash whatever show. Uh, questions at whatever.co. If you want to communicate with us, tell us how much we suck. Um, if you want to say, hey, stop fucking pretending you can do impressions. That's where you want to send that. Yeah. Ralph Garman, please send your cease and desist letters to <laughs> <laughs> questions at whatever.co. Um, if for some reason you decide that th- people like this and they want to listen, you can send us money. Uh, sponsors at whatever.co we will uh totally hype your products because we we're shills we're looking at you ecliptic starburst ipa because yeah. that's what we're drinking <laughs> this episode brought to you by starburst ipa um it's tasty it is very tasty and you know it doesn't even say it's a double ipa but it is uh 7.5 percent yeah, it's on the high end of an ipa for sure yeah. uh made in portland oregon so yeah actually that's legit like i would actually legitimately like to sponsor uh small breweries in oregon because be i feel like that's by. a that's a co- yeah that's a cause i can get behind yeah getting money from if, if you're a craft brewery that doesn't have much money to go around spend it on us you could pay them it's you money could pay well us spent a, legitimately you could probably pay us in beer 
uh, provide us a six pack for every show. We'll be fine. Well, we will sing your praises. Yeah. All right, guys, that's the show. See you next week. Later.